trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris and this is Paris. Hello. This time we're roasting ourselves over here. There ain't no terrible books, it's just terrible us, Paris. Yeah. We've, uh... we've been wrong before. We, we, we have wronged you, <laughs> listeners. We have done bad. Did, done a bad thing. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say this, is, uh, this is part one uh of a volume that we're going to call all the times we were wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh we decided that it was it was about time to review any past missteps and things that we were wrong about on air you know we try to keep this show conversational and familiar but the consequence of that at times is that one of us will say something that isn't quite right downright false or kind of cringy so it's only fair that we reevaluate ourselves on a show that centers on criticism uh, in episode 30, so 30 episodes ago, we played Two Truths and a Lie. So we figured we could do another round of that today as well, uh, in addition to dealing with some of the corrections from past episodes. So it's just kind of a fun, you know, fun episode. Um, if this is your Let first your time... Let your hair down, just kick the shoes off, relax, get grab a drink, and listen to how wrong we are about things. Yeah. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the show... Turn back now and pick another episode because if you yeah, haven't listened, wrong choice. yeah, it's if wrong you choice. haven't listened to any of the back catalog, I mean, I mean, I guess it's fine. Like, I guess if you listen to this first, then you'll just get like a weird, quick preview. Maybe, oh, my mic just fell into my face. <laughs> there you go. It's punished. We're being punished already. Yeah. Fucking Tereblo. We're trying to make amends here. All right. Um. <laughs> So, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe it'd be okay if you listen to this first, but it might be a little weird. Um, Typically, we read books that we assume will be bad, and we base this assumption on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. We also read uh, books at the behest of our patrons, so so it's a bit of a mixed bag. Um, Yeah, but we're not not doing that today. So uh, before we move on, I mean, for content warnings, it's like... Look, we have we our usual. We can go anywhere today. Yeah, this like is... we have our usual barnyard language, but like we're probably gonna. There's probably gonna be a little bit of everything anyone could possibly consider offensive because we're discussing so many past episodes. So I don't know if if you feel like something might be an issue. Eh, I I'm not gonna sit here and literally Start with list some seventy other episodes. Things. Get a, the the flavor we're putting out here before you know. This is this is for the the true listeners that want to tell us how fucking wrong we are about something. <laughs> Um, and, and before, you know, we get too far into the content of the show, I actually want to do some, like, our thanks and announcements at the beginning, because we usually do it at the end, but once in a while I like doing it at the beginning, just because 
you know, a lot of people don't listen all the way to the end of every episode and they miss uh, they miss the patron stuff. They miss the updates. So we're going to do it um, a little earlier in the show today. Uh, so first, let's thank all those patrons. We'd like to issue a hearty thanks to our current patrons. All of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the list is getting a little unwieldy. Is, um, <laughs> it's now so crowded that if all of these people were at a party at the same time, I would be anxious about being in a crowd. <laughs> That's how many patrons we have now. Wait, so are you saying if we ever get to the point where we do a meetup or like a small festival, you're going to be crouched in a corner sweating profusely? No, here, here's the thing. If I'm, if we're doing like a live show, like I'm on a stage, I'll be fine. I can be in front of a crowd. I can't be in a crowd. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, now we all know one of Chris's fears. So get on mm-hmm. exploiting that, listeners. Uh, anyway, a hearty thanks to Dari, Greg, Will, Veronica, D, Jared, Lynn, Sina, Jakob, Torben, aka Duck King. Bobby Blackcat, Jen Cena, and Ayame. Thank you, folks. Uh, you make each and every episode of Terrible Club possible. And you have recently just helped us fund our first run of Terrible Book Club merchandise. We just printed some bookmarks. Um, mm-hmm. They are going to all of our patrons for free. Um, and we have we have a few extra hanging around that, you know, you might see around if you live where we live. If you don't, too bad. Just saying. So the bookmarks are going to get here, I think, on Tuesday. They're slated to be delivered. So once I receive them, I will ship them out. Uh, My band is also about to release an EP. Maybe tonight if I'm feeling frisky. Maybe Monday when I have time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Actually, uh, the Friday after this episode gets put out will be the official release. Maybe I'll put it out early on Bandcamp, too. But it'll be out on Spotify and all streaming services on Friday. The new Graveborn EP sick did you put any did you make any uh physical merch not quite yet i'm thinking about it though cool uh yeah my band uh concilium we are putting out an ep uh yeah i don't know maybe tonight uh but probably monday so yeah by the time you hear this i think our ep will be out so if you're into epic heavy metal epic doom metal um check it out concilium C-O-N-C-I-L-I-U-M. One L. Very important. C-O-N-C-I-L-I-U-M. <laughs> Concilium. I don't even know if I spelled it right there. Uh, anyway, no one gives a shit about my fucking heavy metal band, so fuck me, whatever. Uh, if you want to help support this show, Same. Terrible Book Club, you can head over to patreon.com slash join slash terrible book club, and you can join the illustrious list of names that we read earlier. Uh, at the $5 a month level or higher, you can enjoy special video segments um, and what is essentially just Mystery Science Theater 3000 with me and Chris, where we watch movies or TV shows uh, that are usually like companions to books we've read on the podcast. Although right now we are uh, commenting on the second season of The OA, uh, the Netflix show. So It's been a, it's been a ride, oh. as I expected it to be. Dude, shit got real in the last one we watched, so I think, I think it's worth there it. Was, some parts were so good, though. Yeah, for like, I think, I think... <laughs> there was an hour where it was really good. Yeah, but it was like the end of one episode into like halfway through the next one. It was like one hour of content that was acceptable. <laughs> anyway, um... So if you uh, are, you know, if you don't, if you're not into contributing to the Patreon, that's fine. Um, You know, you can always just tell people to listen to the show, share it on social media. 
you know, word of mouth is really helpful. Um, you can say hi and interact with us on the internet. You know, you can send us an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, or Facebook. Uh, and lastly, you can do us a favor and help passively generate income for the show, so not directly, so you don't have to give us money, uh, by downloading the Radio Public app and listening to us on there. Uh, what that does is it gives us two cents for every play of our show, and it gives us an extra dollar bonus if you listen to three episodes in a row. And the Radio Public folks uh, are the ones who helped us make our website, so... Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're pretty cool. Their app is great. I use it myself and, uh, I am not paid for this advertisement. This is just my opinion. So, and also I just, I just, you know, it'd be cool to get some pennies for the show. Yes. So I like pennies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> someone edit that into something far worse, please. <laughs> um, oh yeah. You can also review the show somewhere. So if you can, cool. If not, whatever. Just right, shout and- it into the streets. Just open your window and review <laughs> Terrible Book Club. Yeah, I mean, it is... It is. Let everyone know. It is summer think. in our hemisphere. I'm not sure what the temperature is where you are. Uh, considering all... I don't know. I feel like a lot of our listeners are not in the U.S. It's weird, but... um, Yeah, shout, shout from your window, from your rooftop, from your... <laughs> balcony uh from your school bus from, <laughs> yeah from where, the subway wherever, anywhere just start randomly rambling about it yeah All right, well i was gonna say yeah now that we have talked about no real content for 13 minutes uh let's, let's get to the continue. good stuff probably yeah. something that a, a loyal longtime listeners might have been looking forward to again because this was a pretty fun thing when we did it last time but um we've i've prepared a little not two truths, one lie in this case. Uh, I have, Paris, I have a bunch of categories here. Uh, they are all titles of books that I have found, except one of them will be fake within the category. So each category will have five titles of books. Okay. Under the category, one of them is one that I made up. It is your objective to try to figure out which one was created in the stew of my mind, the, okay. the cauldron of, of my brain folds you know i do i do recall i think we i think we kind of did this in the gluten book episode right that's yes that's exactly right but but uh the last time we did uh we did something like this for the whole episode was uh when i created a bunch of fake book titles summaries and authors i created a whole fucking world for chris to guess on (laughs) they were really good i didn't go that far i just i just made titles up but anyway yeah all right uh paris you have six categories and therefore there are 30 titles before you so I'm going to give you the, the categories here, and you will just be able to select the category in any order, and I'll give okay. you the titles. All here right. Understood. Your categories are cowboy romance, weird cookbooks, <laughs> bad advice, baseball romance, <laughs> oh, what? Sci- sci-fi fantasy failures, and poop help. Uh, okay. Great. Sounds- Make your choice, please. Um, you know what? Let's go for a classic. Let's start with sci-fi fantasy failures. Okay. Sci-fi so fantasy is... failures for a hundred, Chris. Okay. Well, I, it's only one question, so you know. <laughs> Fuck. Um, this is this will be um like a, a, just a hodgepodge of sci-fi or fantasy book titles. Um, and here we go. Your titles are Star Wars Alphabet Squadron. <laughs> Okay, that's just the first one. You got four that, more to go. Wait, is that like a... Is that like an alphabet? An alphabet? Fuck, I can't... 
I, I'm not going to tell you any of the contents of the books because I didn't make up anything for the fake one, so I can't. <laughs> but like, that has to be like a learn the alphabet with Luke Skywalker. I'll let you. Something. I'll let you know at what what you pick. I'll, okay. I'll let you know about the real well, ones. I wasn't expecting the first one to get me. Jesus. Okay, Star Wars Alphabet Squadron. <laughs> okay. Harley Merlin and the Secret Coven. Okay. Froomb. I'm sorry, could you spell that, please? F-R-O-O-M-B, exclamation mark. Okay. Oh, that's it? Yes. Oh, Jesus. Your fourth title is <laughs> To Like the Lightning. Uh, like T-O-O? Yes. Like you're too, okay, yes. okay. Yes. And your fifth title is The Chair of Crowns. <laughs> We've got too, so many more categories. It's too early for me to be in tears. <laughs> Starting out good after 13 minutes of oh, opening. Um, <laughs> Would you like to hear them again? No. <laughs> okay. Please, God, no. So, which one's the fake one, Paris? Okay, there's only one that's fake? Yes, there's only one that's fake. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Alphabet Squadron. Alphabet Squadron is a real book. Oh fuck! God, is it's it about really what I a, thought? it's about it's a Star Wars expanded universe book oh. about a squadron of fighter pilots that pilot. One's an A wing pilot. One's a B wing pilot. One's an X wing pilot. One's a Y wing pilot. Wait, what's so a B wing? Alphabet Squadron. What's a B wing? Is like a bomber. Oh, what's it's like it's it's a it's. Uh, well, yeah, it's a different kind. It, it looks really weird. It's a, it's the weirdest looking Star Wars ship. Okay, so... Um, All right, well, I suck. Sorry. Would you like to... The, the fake one was the Chair of Crown. Oh, damn it! That was, <laughs> I thought that was too stupid. It had to be real. Like, I figured that was like a mistranslation of a foreign title. <laughs> no, no, that's... No, I, I actually went to like a oh. fake fantasy novel name generator, and I just kept hitting randomize until I got something that was believable but still stupid. Oh, all right, Paris, you uh, got five more categories here. I'm oh, only going to let you guess God. once because otherwise we're going to be sitting here forever. No, no. So, Wait, what? I was, I was said I'm only going to let you guess once. Well, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. All right, all right. Okay. Fucking hit me with some cowboy romance. That shit's pretty Cowboy cool. romance coming up. Okay. So your titles for cowboy romance are Fire on the Farm. <laughs> Cocky Cowboy. Jackson Cocker Cocky Cowboy series. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. I just had to get cock in there as many yeah. times as possible. All right. Ranch for three. Longhorn Loving Hung Hunks series. Oh, Jesus. And Pardoner's Trust. Partner with a D. All right. It's got to be the cock one. Final answer. So you're saying Cocky Cowboy Jackson Cocker Cocky Cowboy series is the fake one? Yes. That is a real God book, Paris. Fuck. No. The, the fake one was Longhorn Loving Hung oh. Hunk series. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> Your microphone is once again punishing you. Yeah, sorry. Ah, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to hold this. All right. Okay. Fair um, enough. No, actually, I thought that was... that You made a, a more real title... I know, right? <laughs> right? That's crazy. Good job. Right? Wow, all right. I'm fucking I was kind of proud of that one. 
All right, you got four more. Plenty of time to prove yourself. Oh. Just a win. No, I don't. I think I'm fucked. All right, what's your next category, Paris? Um. Ooh, can we do uh? What was that like? Poop tips or something? Poop help. Poop help. Okay, yeah, let's do. So poop these help. are all books about needing help to go poop. Usually focused on very young children to help you know get them going, perhaps. So here are your titles. I can't. I won't. No way. What if everybody did that? Bloop bloop goes the poop. Potty party. And finally, toot. Oh, fuck. Potty party. Yes, that is the fake oh, one, Paris. Congratulations. Yes! I got one. What was your what was your reasoning there? Well, Did you, was the, that just a gut gut call? No. Yeah, my intestines knew the answer. To <laughs> one. That's how I I phoned a friend. I phoned my intestines. My Lauren doesn't. Um, <coughs> um, I'm not really sure what my reasoning is. You always fuck me up by asking my goddamn reasoning. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, all right. You don't Jesus. have to provide it. I was just curious on that one since it was your first right one. All right, you have three more categories here. Paris, make your decision, please. Um, ooh, uh, weird cookbooks or whatever. Okay, weird cookbooks. So this is all just different from all walks of any kind of cookbookery there is. Your okay. titles are Microwave Cooking for One, A Seat at the Table, Meals for You and Your Pet, Outlander Kitchen, yes, the TV show. Oh, fucking. Thug Kitchen, eat like you give a fuck. And finally, Forks Over Knives, 300 recipes for plant-based eating throughout the year. Considering I own one of those and know that many of the... I think I know all of the ones that are real, which one, which one, which, um, which, one do you, which one do you own, Paris? I'm, I bet I know which one you own. Well, Triscuit bought me Thug Kitchen for a birthday gift. <laughs> Oh, good. And I've read parts of Forks Over Knives. Um, <laughs> wow. This is... And I've heard of... Uh, Home field advantage here. I've heard of microwave cooking for one, and I've heard of the pet one, so it must be the Outlander one. Paris, you've heard of the one that I made up? <laughs> I think you might have made up something that actually exists. <laughs> yeah, uh, Outlander Kitchen is totally real, by the way. Um Fuck. Um, I just thought I, that because you've been watching that, you made. I know that's it up. that's why I included it as a fake. <laughs> but I can't believe that I made a title so real or so close to. Maybe I subconsciously made something, Wait, but I figured uh, was it the, mic- cook, the microwave one? No, no, uh, a seat at the table, meals for you and your pet. Oh yeah, I mean maybe you might have maybe a seat at the table isn't right, but there's definitely meals for you and your pet cookbooks like i'm gonna it's, look it, up right now it's supposed to be i was i thought cooking for two your dog and you the <laughs> there it is yeah okay, that, well. sorry that's the one i thought it was i just got confused because you made up something that is so close to reality well you know good job <laughs> all right you really yeah. had you were on the pulse of those weird oh. cookbooks i thought for sure you were gonna include cooking with semen you know it's just too obvious yeah i guess that's. i right. figured you would know that one but i guess you knew everything else already in the hey man like i'm a I'm a vegetarian dabbling in veganism. I fucking have to read a lot about cooking shit. I like to Sorry. eat, too. Oh, dude, actually, can we take a break for... Not a break, but, like, I just want to say... Uh, I bought a Vitamix. 
And uh, they're really fucking expensive, but, like, I got a good deal on one. But, like, man, I've had four smoothies today. Like, I have a problem now. <laughs> it's, <just> like, <laughs> it's so easy to make, Is like... Is that why you were kind of lethargic at the start of this? Just, like, all the sugar? <laughs> you, you just had a massive crash after your fucking smoothie binge over here? How many smoothies are in front of you right now, Paris? None. There are no smoothies <laughs> oh. in this room. Oh, oh, oh I see. <laughs> getting um, off on a technicality i'm just saying like don't waste your time like i did for years buying blenders that are just gonna like break after a few months or a year like fucking invest in the goddamn vitamix it's a lot of money but it's fucking worth it i can make all kinds of crazy shit it's really easy sorry i just feel like i need to tell people so they don't they don't go down the path that i went all this down free advertising for like corporations <laughs> like are you actually getting sponsored? You're just like cutting me out of it, like you're acting. <laughs> yeah, that's actually how I got the Vitamix. Like I got, Come they were bitch. like, Tara Book Club, Tara Book Club listeners like to drink smoothies, right? Why does Paris get to be the influencer? I can influence. I stay inside all day, but that doesn't mean I can't influence. <laughs> I mean, most influence, all influencing is done via Instagram, anyway, right? Anyway, uh, anyway, smoothies are great. Get a fucking nice blender. Don't waste money and your time by buying a bunch of cheap little ones. Anyway. Vitamix, yeah. send us a check. Anyway, you've got two <laughs> categories left, Paris. All right. Make your choice. Uh, bad advice? Bad advice. Okay. Yep. Your titles are How to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking About It. <laughs> the Witch's Book of Self-Care magical ways to pamper soothe and care for your body and spirit agent of influence how to use spy skills to persuade anyone sell anything and build a successful business big dick energy how to flirt and fuck like a porn star and finally angel numbers the messages and meanings behind 1111 and other number sequences Okay, I think this is a, another case where you made up a book that's real. Uh-huh. Because I feel like I have heard of all of these. Actually, no. The first one's fake. Uh, How to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking About It? Yes, correct. That's a real book. God damn it! Okay. <laughs> Which I've... I think it's hilarious to think about just like this guy writing a book. He's like, listen, I'll fix all your problems. You don't even have to talk to her. You don't even have to say anything and I'll be, I'll be able to fix it. Don't worry. Like... What is his plan, though? Just <laughs> You know, I didn't read the summary on this one, but this, that that's what inspired the category to be bad advice. Maybe maybe, maybe he just means um, how to improve your marriage without talking directly about how the marriage is failing or troubled. Maybe he means, like, just do the actions to make it better. You don't need to talk about it. That's that's still, what I hope, anyway. Still seems like bad advice. Yeah, it doesn't seem like good advice. But, um, would- God damn it, I think you made up one that exists because I feel like I heard, I've heard of the last, the, the latter four. Well, the one I made up was Big Dick Energy, How to Flirt and Fuck Like a Porn Star. Really? Yep. Why do I think that that's real? <laughs> Angel Numbers is a real book. Oh, I know, I know that is. Um... <laughs> Big dick oh, energy, man. how to... I'm going to look this up. You're going <laughs> to... There's no way I like subconsciously like stole that. I think, I think you may have. Oh, I'm just getting a bunch of Pornhub links. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, okay, okay. Typing in... What did the, you fucking expect? I, I typed into Google... Oh shit! Am I? Oh, I'm signed into the terrible book club account. I don't care what's on that <laughs> history. That's fine. 
get some nice ads now. <laughs> he typed in big dick energy, colon, how to flirt and fuck like a porn star. The first link is big dick energy on Snapchat, pornhub.com. Bi- the second one is big dick energy, all in caps, <laughs> pornhub.com. The third link is porn hat tube, porn, <laughs> porn biz. I've porn got my hat. porn hat on. It's what porn. I put on every day. I'm naked except for the hat is porn, how this works. Porn hat tube, porn biz. Um, <laughs> the fourth link is black. Wait, so it's a hat, a tube, and a business. This is very yeah. multifunctional. Um, the fourth link is blacked. Blacked. So B-L-A-C-K-E-D. Oh, God. Blacked, oh, strong Paris. black man fucks blonde tourists on the beach. All right, Paris. I think <laughs> no, we don't need to no, go much further. No, I'm not going to continue, but like, oh, no. Um, wait, no. I'm going I'm to search for Big Dick Energy book, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're going to get the same thing. No. I got that Big Dick Energy. B-D-E notebook diary journal. A complete guide it- to Big Dick Energy. I don't know. <laughs> Like I, well, it's... I'm I'm sure someone's made a time. All right, you've got one anyway, category left, anyway. Paris. Yeah, what, and it's ahead. baseball romances. This oh, is the fucking one. Christ, what the hell? <laughs> what? I just don't understand how you can. Des- how can you have romances around like the most boring sport of all time? Like I just <laughs> I don't understand. Well, you I live guess in Boston, Paris. How dare you? Oh, I have been to Red Sox games and I have suffered through every minute of course the two games i was fucking dragged to like a decade or so ago they both went into extra innings so i was i was there for like what what's right what's normal what's a normal number of innings seven nine is nine is how long a baseball game oh, so it, it so they both went to like 11 all right they, i mean it's like four and a half hours out of your life but i wanted to fucking die both times anyway anyway, anyway here are your baseball romance titles Stealing Sawyer. Pitch, please. Double play. Third base. And bottom of the ninth. Uh, I'm sorry. Could you just re- could you repeat them all again? Stealing Sawyer. Pitch, please. Double play. Third base. Bottom of the ninth. Mm, I don't know. Those are tough. Um, yeah, this one was like really kind of basic bitch stuff over here. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. Stealing Sawyer, pitch please. Mm-hmm. Uh, double play. Double play. Third base. The, third base, bottom of the ninth. All right. Third base is really obvious, so you probably didn't make that one up. Um, Pitch please. Pitch please. <laughs> that is a real book, Damn Paris. It. I thought you were really clever. I'm giving um, you too much I, credit, Chris. That's my problem. It, <laughs> That's why I'm losing. I'm, yeah, I made up double play. Oh, good job. So you got, um, I believe one. you got poop help is the one <laughs> yes. that you succeeded with. So well, because I phoned trust a friend. Because I called yeah, my lower intestine. Gut. Mm. Trust your gut. All right, mm-hmm. Paris. Well, that was pretty fun. I, I hope you enjoyed my uh, smorgasbord of titles for you. Dude, that those first couple sections were fucking hilarious. I, I was not <laughs> expecting Sci-fi get... fantasy failures was my indeed my favorite one. As soon as I saw Star Wars Alphabet Squadron. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just imagined it as like a, a, a book teaching children the alphabet through like Star Wars characters. <laughs> Well, no, it's a it's a totally serious novel about starfighters. Y is for Yoda. <laughs> or Yoda is for Y. <laughs> All right, Paris. Well, that was my game. Great, great. Good job, Chris. It was fun. <laughs> You've survived. I mean, I failed miserably, but yeah, I survived. <laughs> um, all right. So 
as listeners, as regular listeners, you may know that uh, we have a bunch of original episodes that are lost. So we were unable to review any of the lost episodes. So like, unfortunately, uh, yeah, there's going to be no content from those because we don't remember what the fuck we said and the episodes don't exist anymore. So, oh, well. Um, so what we did is we spent um, many excruciating hours re-listening to ourselves from years ago. And let me tell you, that was extremely unpleasant i do yes, not I, want to do it again but well, i have to because <laughs> this is only going to be we part didn't even, one yeah we didn't even get through all of the episodes no. well because we have you know i mean even if, even the episodes that exist there's about 50 of them because i think i think we're missing like 10 or 9 yeah. of the originals um and it's just a lot of content and it's really tough to listen to yourself um from like even a year ago or two years ago i actually noticed that my voice sounds totally different from the episodes we recorded four years ago it's really weird um anyway uh we broke these down into odds and evens so i am odds so i'm going to start with our very first episode the overton window so in the overton window um i was incredulous that the book asserted that you could get Tootsie Rolls from a vending machine. I was like, this is ridiculous. Tootsie Rolls aren't <laughs> vending machines. Fucking this is dumb. Yeah, well, I guess... Your fir- the first stand you made on the podcast. Yeah, the, the first, first stance I... stance you took. There ain't no fucking Tootsie Rolls in no vending machines. Well, because in the in New England, where I grew up, or I, sh- I should say most spe- more specifically in Massachusetts, um, no one I know... I-, I-, I asked everyone I know who has grown up in New England, and none of us have ever seen... Tootsie Rolls and vending machines, you know, the not the little mini ones, but the the Obviously. large, like, block ones. Yeah. Apparently, you can get those in vending machines, but I'm not sure where that is common, because where I grew up, it just isn't a thing. Um, so, I was wrong about that. You can get the large, like, skinny block Tootsie Rolls from vending machines. Um, and when I, was, when I was researching this, this is a thing I had to research. Um, I found that there are a bunch of like specialty wrapped Tootsie Rolls. And um, if you remember anything about the Overton window, it was a very like Murica book. Um, yeah. And I found Murica Tootsie Rolls that were just were they, like little, wrapped in the flag. Or yes. Whatever? Little tiny Tootsie Rolls wrapped in the American <laughs> oh, flag. Um, Real all right. patriotic. We, just, we covered up these hard taffy, vaguely kind of chocolate flavored rolls in, uh, in the flag. Yeah, Support your country by chewing on this old, hard chocolate one. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I was wrong about that. Tootsie Rolls are indeed in vending machines. See, see, listeners, we can admit when we're wrong about oh, simple oh, things. Oh, there's a lot of admissions. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, so sec- the second thing, we, we got... <laughs> so uh, Chris, uh, Chris was... Uh, amused by the fact that i became obsessed with a certain statement in the book um i guess in the overton window there was i don't know if there was like a quote or it was just in the book somewhere i i didn't actually check the text itself but there's a there's something in the book it says oh if you stack a thousand dollar thousand dollar bills you can reach the moon or something or you can reach space and i was like no way that's ridiculous but 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 um so if you have uh if you have one trillion one dollar bills yes and you stack them theoretically it reaches 
uh, about halfway there. So you can get okay. from the Earth to the moon, halfway from the Earth to the moon with one trillion one dollar bills if you stack them. Um, however, if you line the bills end to end, you can Ooh. absolutely get there. Ooh, brilliant. <laughs> unless, I mean, unless you factor in what would happen to the bills as they are affected I by I changes in atmosphere. lengthwise. I just assumed all, all the bills had to be stacked. Right. So, um, yeah. So actually, if you could, if you could like break law, atmospheric and laws of gravity and shit. Uh, so like, you know, in a fantastical vacuum, you could line, line up dollar bills end to end, like so lengthwise, um, and get from the earth to the moon pretty easily. Uh, you wouldn't even need a whole trillion. You'd probably need, oh, actually quite, quite a lot less because, Stacking them, they're only 0.1 millimeter thick. And I mean, if you imagine, I mean, like the length of a bill is many, 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 many times that. So you actually wouldn't even need that many. I probably should have calculated exactly how many. But um, honestly, math is not my strong suit. And I was already getting confused. So well, you know what? Paris, I had clearly, to stop. <laughs> we found America's next big project for us to, to all get together, put all of our collective effort together. And together, we can waste money better than we've ever wasted money before as a country. If you thought America wasted money well before, well, we're going to fucking stack, or not stack, actually, as you put it, we're going to line dollar bills end-to-end until we touch the moon with our greatest resource. Well, Chris, you see, we were promised a wall. No (laughs) one said it had to be horizontal. True. You know what? Good point, Paris. It's the wall no- of the moon. We're keeping the aliens out. They <laughs> yep. can't get past it. Wall, wall to the moon. And it's made out of the, mo- the most American thing in the world. Money. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously, uh, this would be probably impossible because as you stack or even line the bills end to end in a vertical fashion, as you go up higher in the atmosphere, there's like, you know, pressure changes and the air temperature gets a lot less. Like, the bills would probably shatter at a certain point. <laughs> um, Not but, with that attitude. We so, so, yeah. I mean, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of other things to consider. But, like, theoretically, the length is there to, to <laughs> make this true. So, yeah. That was interesting to learn. Um, the next thing that I got mad about in the Overton window was the use of the phrase atonal music to describe something that someone just... Uh, someone didn't like because it was not Western. And like, I got mad because technically that's not true. Um, because non-West, there's plenty of non-Western music that is based around a tonal structure, a tonal center. Um, but I, but I did learn, I guess, that apparently some people do use it this way. And it's like a very, um... It's technically acceptable, but not like uh, not commonly used to say that. And I mean, I it is incorrect, but it's one of those things that's like incorrect, but it slipped into common parlance. So now, you know, it, it's yeah, it's that's how, we, how language works, right? It's how it's it's uh, think about the transformation of the word literally. The word literally has come to mean figuratively the opposite of what the word yes. actually means, and that's kind of what has happened with atonal. Well, it's not quite the same it hasn't become the opposite but it's definitely taken on a different meaning um so yeah uh lastly uh (laughs) chris and i were uh really confused by a limousine having hot towels in it um 
Because I was just like, what? Like that seems so over the top. It seems you know like a like a comical supervillain or something would have hot towels in a limousine. But you know what? There are hot towels in some limousines because you know we just weren't rich enough to know this. That's true. Um, I've never been in a limousine my entire life. Uh, I have once. But thanks to Limousine and Chauffeur magazine, we've been enlightened. <laughs> that is a That's thing. definitely a supervillain's magazine subscription right there. I just, I can't believe there's a Limousine and Chauffeur magazine. There are old copies scanned and on the internet. And uh, yeah, they were discussing having hot towels and limousines. And I was like, wow, that's great. I'm just too poor to know any better. So uh, yeah. That's, so that's everything for the Overton window. Um, Chris, take it away for Marked. Okay, so two. for Marked, in this episode, the only question that we I wasn't sure about or the thing that we didn't really get a definitive answer on was who exactly does what on the writing team between PC Cast and Kristen Cast, the mom-daughter writing team that wrote this uh, I talked about Harry that. Potter I, book. I, I talked about that at the beginning of that episode. Oh. <laughs> The mom, I mean, the mom writes it, and the daughter edits it to make sure it is "quote unquote" of like effectively teenage. Well, uh, I was going to ask you, where did you find that fucking information? Because I was researching for such a long time, I found a bunch of interviews with PC Cast, and I couldn't find any sort of one way or the other asking about it. So I was going to disappoint you immediately with my first one, where I said I couldn't find the answer on this one. Um, the answer was right in the episode you were listening to. Um, I think I read it in an inter- inter- interview or maybe on the old website. Oh, that's right, but they changed the website around. So that's probably... Maybe. I did find a very shakily filmed interview with PC Cast that was just... It looked like a low angle, and like she was being interviewed in a parking lot for like some book blog that was running some weird contest to win her book or oh, something. Oh, boy, that sounds uncomfortable in every respect. And the the one thing, the, the super interesting thing that I got from it is that she completely based Zoe, the main character of the book series, off of Kristen, which makes a lot of the scenes a whole lot weirder. Chris, that's also something that I I said in that episode and provided evidence for. I skipped over the whole intro, I guess, of <laughs> oh that God. episode. No, I don't I, even you know, know. I don't even know when I said it, but I know I said it in that episode. I guess we found the same thing, but that was like really the only thing that I was desperate for something at this point because we were still early on in the uh, goings with this and listening. So I tried to find anything, but later on, I just a bit, some episodes didn't have anything to talk about. I mean, yeah, I, I, I have so I've that. severely disappointed you already, or maybe I'm just looking for well, reasons you're just, to think I'm right. No, you just didn't do a good job listening, which was your only job. <laughs> I got more thorough later. Oh, that's okay. Um, I didn't re-listen to Marked, but I, I remember, I remember it a little bit, but I, I didn't re-listen to it. So I honestly, I guess that's it for that one. Um, so yeah, to clarify, um, PC Cast, the mother, she does the bulk of the writing, and then the daughter, Kirsten, Kristen, or Kirsten, or Kirsten, I forget. Whatever the daughter, Kristen. Um, Kristen, thank you. Um, the daughter edits it to um, make it more youthful. <laughs> I guess. Uh, and yeah, I... Uh, I do have something for the other marked book that is somewhat related to that. Oh my God. We'll get you, to that. Oh, that's right. You ended up with both of them because of the yes, ordering. Yes, I did. Oh, I'm sorry. I promise you I found good good research on the not the other thing, but that's all the way at the other end of this. So let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next one is Wizard First Rule, episode three, which was mine. Um, 
I just want to talk about Thunder versus Lightning because we briefly mentioned that we had gotten to several arguments about it. <laughs> I think we still might have an argument about this. No, well, I wanted to settle it because we this has been an ongoing thing. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, our entire friendship. Chris, do you want to describe our disagreement about Thunder and Lightning? So the disagreement was, if I'm try, if I'm remembering it correctly is whether they're technically separate things. They come we both know they come from the same event. But would you consider the sound of the thing versus the visual of the thing to be completely separate from the thing that happened? All right. So, science says that thunder and lightning Come back with that science Paris. This is my gut. You you asked your gut early on. I know what okay. thunder versus lightning is. Well, they are two aspects of the same phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So lightning is the visual element. Um, and because light travels faster than sound, you see the lightning first. The lightning itself is what you're seeing, the visual you're seeing, it's the sudden thermal expansion of plasma in the air. And this causes a sonic shockwave, the thunder, that you hear a few seconds later because audio travels slower than sound. So light the physical thing lightning happening produces the sound and they are two distinct things um they appeal to two different senses and you experience them at two separate times okay well i will concede that point then if that's how that's a perfectly logical way to look at it yeah i mean honestly like i was confused about it too like i didn't I, and I know maybe this sounds really. It dumb, was mostly like, a semantic <laughs> argument about like, well, uh, is the the experiences of a thing separate from the thing itself that happened? I suppose was our major quibble there about that. But I'm yeah. glad we've finally put this behind yeah, us. Yeah, we, we can, can finally both stop, move on with our lives. We can stop the feud between thunder and lightning. Um, but I, I didn't. I That's didn't, why we went on hiatus for a year, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't really find anything else in that episode that I felt. And and that wasn't even really something that needed correcting. We just, like, mentioned it, but I didn't hear anything else, so I don't know. That's, again, we're kind of just looking at interesting things we never really got the answer for. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean we were wrong, but just, you know, things we <clears throat> that deserve clarification. Um, So I also ended up with episode 11, Maradonia and the Seven Bridges. Um, All, I guess, yeah, I guess all the episodes between 3 and 11 are the lost episodes, so. Yep. Um, so the next one is also me. Uh, so I, I picked out two things. Uh, they're actually from the same section. So there's a section in Maradonia and the Seven Bridges where, uh, she talks about Queen Aquamarisha and the mermaid city that somehow also, that fucking gets shoehorned into this book (laughs) because that book had to have every fantasy thing in it. Paris, can we reveal what's happening next month? I think we've already said it, right? No, we haven't. Okay, okay. Never mind then. Never mind then. Continue. Yeah, we'll we'll maybe we'll talk about it later. Um. So, anyway, uh, there's a pretty small part of the book that involves this like mermaid queen. I honestly don't even know if the mermaids had anything to do with the story. Like, I don't even remember if they were plot relevant. I don't think they were. Um, no, and nothing in that book was plot relevant. And there's a part where they like go and visit Aquamarisha, like in the underwater mermaid city. And of course, as like surface dwelling humans who are mortal and don't have gills, you know, uh, some questions came up. The first one 
uh, well, I guess I'll do these backwards. So the first question was like, do we have the technology for a person to breathe underwater? And like my reference point for this is that episode of Futurama where Fry goes down to the lost city of Atlanta and yeah. um <laughs> A pretty and, good one. Yeah, it's a good episode. And there's like a little shell on a string that like he can shove into his mouth and nose and he can just exist underwater for as long as he wants and you know, operate normally. And you know, of course that's like an extreme version uh, you know, but I was wondering, you know, it's 2019. We might have the technology for this. So we don't quite have the technology, but um, would, hold on. So we're ruling out just scuba suits here, right? Like just n- nothing like with air tanks is what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about something that's like a little more just goes on your face. You don't have to do a it's whole thing about it. It's using the oxygen in the water more than oxygen in a spare tank Correct. that you brought with. Yes, yes. So, so sort of. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a company that came out with this product called the Triton. The Triton. Uh, unfortunately, that turned out to be too good to be true. Um, it was this little, like, mouth insert with, uh, with like, some filters hanging off of it. And it was very, like, sleek. Um, and they had a lot of people believing in it. People gave to the Kickstarter. It probably <laughs> was never really operational. Um, I think that they put out some videos purporting to show it working but like it wasn't really enough to convince people and they kind of they refunded everyone after after all the hullabaloo you know and um someone jumped in a pool with it and found out very quickly yeah no well that's the thing is like they didn't even have any to give to people although now they're they're claiming that they're still working on it and like i think yeah so anyway the triton was kind of a you know not real but there's there's this like shittier thing that does actually exist in work though called the scorkle okay which is as dumb as its name suggests it sounds like a weapon somehow it <laughs> um so watch it's out a... he'll give you the scorkle all right so if any of you have ever seen the uh co2 canisters that come with like a soda stream or some other type of um carbonation device uh, imagine like a half-sized one, and it's and you're holding it in your mouth with a mouthpiece. Like you're holding it, like it's hanging off your face. Sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it it looks really dumb, but it's the air canister itself is refillable and allows you to be underwater for ten minutes without the use of uh, a snorkel or an oxygen tank or like a heavy oxygen tank. Um, so like it's a short period of time, but you know we're we're getting there. Um, you know, it's I think technically that, a reserve tank of air. Right, but at least yeah, it's really dumb. Look it up, the scorkle. Um <laughs> All right. so, but, what else but you got, Paris? Th- that being said, I think in the next hundred years or so, maybe. 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 Um so the second thing in that like mermaid part of the book, uh, when they're in the underwater city, they're talking about underwater fruit gardens. And we both laugh and we're like, that's fucking bullshit. And like, it is bullshit if, well, I think that the way it was represented in the book, I think we were right. And that it wasn't a thing that was possible because like, you can't have strawberries and cherries and bananas in the ocean, right? Like, that's not a thing. They um, won't grow right. They'll be salty as fuck, actually. <laughs> well, well, like, plants in the ocean don't produce fruit. 
Um, well, there are some underwater plants that technically produce fruit, but certainly not like sweet or tart or edible for people or animals. Uh, but like in aquatic environments, there's no need to produce fruit to encourage other creatures to eat your seeds and then poop them out and spread them, which is the deal with fruit. If you didn't know, that is the deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. Because you exist in water, which will just spread it for you, spread all your shit for you. So, like, you don't... I don't even need to grow any fucking strawberries. No, exactly. I figured so... this guy... All these land plants out here just do an extra work when they don't need to. Let the currents take it, man. Yep. Yep. That is... You, Chris, you'd be an excellent plant. <laughs> Chill sea plants. <laughs> Underwater. Are, are my brethren. Yes. Um, but, okay, so in the traditional sense, like, you can't plant a fucking strawberry bush under the sea, right? But... There is this thing that has been developed over the last few years called Nemo's Garden, where these people have created an underwater garden. Um, but the way they did so, what they've done is they've taken f- fruit and plants and stuff, and they're growing them inside structures in the ocean, like an underwater greenhouse. So, not directly in the water itself. So, there's not, you know. There's no salty like, strawberries. Right. You're not you're not getting your spearmint uh, eaten by fish or anything. <laughs> but so so they've created basically an underwater greenhouse. Yeah. And it's so fucking cool. You should look it up and look at it. Uh, it's called Nemo's Garden. Um, I don't know. It's a really cool idea. So like, yeah, I guess you can have underwater fruit gardens in like an unorthodox way. Um, they've been doing it for a couple of years. I mean, they're still, you know, it's still like an experimental thing. So who knows? But if they can make that work... Um, it's a it's a really interesting concept and plan to provide more fresh food for people, um, you know, in a world that is dying and slowly becoming more and more covered with water. So it's a really, really, really cool idea. Hey, so I'm going to turn, turn it over to Chris for moon people. All right. This time I actually I definitely caught some stuff. OK, this, I, I haven't failed you this time. So, early on in Moon People, you and I kind of got into a discussion about what's the difference exactly between a novella and a novel, or a novella and... Yeah. What happened? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I remember that. So, I went and did a little digging around, and turns out it's basically one of those things where there's not really a strict definition, but everyone will have a slightly different line of suggestion. It's generally just like, hey, if it's around under 100 pages, it's probably some kind of a novella. Some people put it at word count. Like the first link on Google that hit me when I researched this said, oh, it's a novella is between 17K and 40K words. And anything beyond that is a novel. And then you have stuff like flash fiction or something, which is like 50 words or something like that. It, what? There's all these weird categories for word counts that this thing had. That, huh. So, in general, it's 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 like the difference between a hill and a mountain, which is another argument I've had with people about where does one begin. And Dude, where does no, 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 hills and mountains are very different. If Noah was no, not, there's there's no set difference though. If, if Noah was not currently climbing Mount Rainier, he would. I'm sure he could tell you what the difference there's, is. There's no, like, I, I, look, there's commonly accepted differences, but there's no hard line, is what I'm saying. Man, no. All right. I guess we're going to have to have an look argument it up. about I've this. Looked, I've been in this argument. <laughs> this is going to be our new thunder and lightning, Paris, is hills and mountains. <laughs> yeah, I will I will, I will. will ask Noah if he doesn't slide off of Mount Rainier and die. Um, I will ask him when he returns. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll rain. No. Um, 
Anyway, so that that's that was the first thing. Pretty simple thing. It's just again one of those things that there's not really any hard lines, but generally you know it when you see it. I always um, thought I always thought it was like a hundred pages or less, but I wow, interesting. Thank you. Yeah, there's no set definition on that. Apparently. Fucking wild west out there in the publishing world. Uh huh. You can call it whatever you want. The other thing that we kind of questioned was apparently at some point in the book, a meteor was set bound to hit the sun and that would like cause a big deal or something. <laughs> yeah. And we were both like, I don't know about that one. There was a whole argument, too, about, like, NASA would probably be able to detect it and stuff like that. I didn't even bother with that. I was more interested in what would happen if a meteor hit the sun. According to a New Scientist article that I read, anything under 10 square kilometers is just, like, immediately as soon as it gets anywhere near it will just get taken out just by pure (laughs) heat around it. Right. Like, just 10 square kilometers is just not even a fuck. It doesn't blink at that. Beyond that, it might start getting caught up in the gravitational well of the sun proper. Oh my god, However, a gravitational well is like a really sick phrase that I need to steal for a song. <laughs> I've I've read a lot. This happens a lot in the Expanse series, so that's where I picked up that uh, ah. vocab from. There's a lot of slang in that series about being down the well when you're on a planet. Oh, damn. I like that. All right. Sorry. Continue. It, Tell me about this well. So anyway, in the sun's gravity well... Um, basically it's like pretty, so, so, so big and so hot that most things would get accelerated to a speed of about 600 kilometers a second. I can't even conceive of that speed. Technically that's how fast like a lot of satellites are orbiting around the earth and everything. It's all relative, right? Oh God. Yeah. I mean, maybe not because actually at that speed, anything that's orbiting at that speed would get flattened like a pancake. And that material would then just get dispersed throughout pretty much this. So honestly, like to take if a media to hit the sun to be a big deal, it would have to be like a third the size of the sun or something like that. Which and is even then, maybe not. Which is really large. Like I um, that's that's a guesstimate there. That wasn't in the New Scientist article, but like most huge objects will just get burnt to shit or smashed to a pancake and then burnt to shit. You know what I should do is I should submit this. Actually, I should check uh, the podcast Paperboys. They, uh, I, I really like their show. They, um, they kind of do what we do, but for scientific papers, where they choose a scientific paper and they talk about like whether the study was done correctly and whether the results were meaningful and all this stuff. And it's it's really interesting. I should check and see if they've done anything on a meteor hitting the sun. And if they haven't, I will suggest this to them. Hmm. And they can give us well, probably more, because they're both like scientists, like graduate students, so they understand the shit more. There than was a new scientist article about this; would be a fantastic starting point. Yeah, great. All right, cool. Um, so the next one is episode fifteen, "The Art of the Deal." Um, I only got I only have one thing from that. Really? Yeah. Well, because I did a shit ton of research. No, I'm sorry. I have two things for that because I did a bunch of research for that one, so it was it was pretty solid. Um. We discussed, so The Art of the Deal was written by Tony Schwartz, um, although it's a book by Donald Trump, but Tony Schwartz wrote it um, after he spent time with Trump and interviewed him and things like that. So um, Tony Schwartz has been donating his royalties from The Art of the Deal to charity. And, and I mentioned that on the show and I was like, oh, I think he donated, he just donated what he made initially to like something, some charity that affected his family. Actually, he 
continues to donate all of his royalties from the art of the deal to various charities that are specifically opposed to things that Trump likes. <laughs> so the level of pettiness is like ratcheted up to 100 and it's fucking great. I see um, him getting quoted in like news articles a lot about his opinion on Trump and like I kind of don't care that much but it's nice to know that he's putting his money where his mouth is. Well yeah, I mean and and like you can actually check his Twitter feed for updates from him on how much and where he's donated to. So like the Terrible Book Club Twitter account follows him on Twitter. Um recently he's been donating to uh immigration, women's rights and environmental causes. Um so yeah, basically what he does is he tries to publicize these donations and his opinion as somebody who spent a lot of time with Trump, um, you know, to try to make people see his his view about the situation, which we don't need to get into right now, but interesting. Um, Good on Mr. Schwartz. Yeah. The next one was, I don't know if you remember this, but there were some reviews uh, printed, uh, you know, like when a book comes out, it's like, oh, the New York Times says this is the best thing since, you know... I don't know. Flip sliced flops. breads. Flip flops. Unsliced breads, even. Bread flops. <laughs> sliced flip flops. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're like, oh, this is a, a revolution a revolution in women's literature. What are, you know, they have these these little like review snippets. Yeah. Well, there was one on the art of the deal that said, uh, like Donald Trump is a deal maker, like uh like lions are like lions or cats or like lions roar and like water is wet Mm -hmm. and it and it turns out water isn't wet but paris water isn't wet no water i don't believe you no it's wet (laughs) when i get in the shower i get wet okay but water is the thing that makes other things wet okay but by virtue of it being wet itself let me finish my fucking sentence the definition of wet wet is defined as the condition of a liquid adhering to a solid so okay all right water cannot be wet on its own because it is a liquid it is not adhering to a solid what what about if i have an ice cube that's sweating a little bit though what's the what's the ice cube made out of paris chris it's solidified it's water though right (laughs) But it's, it's water though, right? Right, but it's it's a liquid adhering to a solid. What is an ice cube? It's a it's you, okay, if for a sweating <laughs> ice cube. Paris. Yes. Chris, you don't win this. A sweating ice cube <laughs> is wet because the liquid water is adhering to the solid water. So the water is wet, isn't it, Paris? <laughs> no, the ice cube is wet, which is water. Nope, it's a different state of matter. <laughs> have you seen the youtube video about the other people arguing about this very same topic no it's like a group of men in heated debate about it is water wet. So, it seems such, like such a clear thing once i read the definition i was like oh yeah i get it i i just i have to disagree i'm on the other side of this no water chris, is wet chris a sweating ice cube <laughs> is water adhering to the ice cube and i'm and i'm going to tell you right now that that is correct because you would never say, you know, like, you would never um, use water and ice interchangeably, right? So they are two distinct things. Two different okay. things. In different, <laughs> okay. They are different states of matter. Yeah, if I asked someone for the ice and they just brought me a cup of cold water, I'd be mad. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, okay. yeah, so there's the difference. 
I still, you know, this is my gut telling me here, right here. I've confirmed my friend, and I feel, I feel in my being that water is wet because I get in the shower and I become. Chris, you're being controlled. This, this is my anti-vax stance, right you're here. Being... Is that water is wet. No, Chris, it's because you're being controlled by the eighty percent water that your body is. All the little oh, fucking true. water assholes in you are like, we're wet. <laughs> you know, you're a water uh, asshole. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. That was a bad way to put it, but. Well, water is kind of a good segue into my next thing oh my. that's coming up here, because uh, episode 16 was Sleeping with the Fishes, which was the mermaid romance novel about mermaids that do mermaid stuff in Boston Harbor, and there was a point in the book where it was revealed that the evil villains were dumping sewage straight into Boston Harbor from the hotel that they built, and it took all the mermaids to realize that this was happening, and they're very upset about it. So um, I did a little bit of research to find out, like, could this possibly happen? And honestly, a hotel would never even have the opportunity to dump sewage or poop directly into Boston Harbor. Because to, like, get the building permit in the first place, you have to have a plan to connect up to the sewer lines. And there's no way anything gets erected before all these inspections take place. There's no way business opens to where you could be shitting in toilets before this inspection takes place. Um, I did a little bit more research on, like, you know, other ways that this might happen. Like, oh, maybe they got into, like, the, the wastewater thing or, like, there's something like that. But uh, I found out that Deer Island treats wastewater from 43 different communities in Boston where water is basically treated and filtered until it's safe to just be thrown back out into the bay after being... There's, like, like many different chambers and processes. Yep. Um, the the first level of the process is just basically just, hey, let the stuff sit there and the solids will float to the bottom, which is a, a fun thought to think about. <laughs> yeah. They even go so far as to make sure that the water has the right amount of oxygen in it for fish to breathe. Yep. Uh, yeah, Deer Island is actually really, really cool. Um, I learned a lot about it when I was in college. Um, and yeah, I know people are like, oh, it's you know the poop island. It's where the poop goes. It's like, yeah, but it's actually, like Chris was saying, it's really fucking cool how they handle it um 43 communities that that that's a lot of poop to process yeah they do a great job of it too um yeah and i think i think like the the book kind of made it seem like oh the hotel was owned by mob people and maybe they had like paid some i could think the the uh under uh oh my god what am i trying to say fuck uh the subtext Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know what I almost said? I almost said the underwords. The subtext. <laughs> Jesus. That's a good word for it. That's what I'm going to call uh, it now. The words under the words. That's what happens when you're learning a foreign language and your brain starts <laughs> getting really confused. Um, Basement sounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, below noises. The blo- <laughs> no, The subtext, I believe. Yeah. Is that, Underwear. you know, the, the hotel is owned by mobsters, so they must have paid someone to, like, just avoid all the sewage. But, like, there's no... It would cost is, more money. It would yeah, be exactly. more effort. Yeah, it's like, there's no benefit to there's doing There's no profit that? in it. There's yeah. no profit in it. There's I mean, no and, reason. And, I mean, obviously, like, Boston Harbor um, and, you know, a lot of places around the world had issues with their waterways being severely... Uh, polluted by industry because people were dumping directly into them but like i mean that shit kind of i feel like most of that straight up sewage isn't part of that that's like like waste from industrial processes and shit right right but even that stuff is like 
you know, mostly over. I mean, there's a huge asterisk there when I say that is mostly over with. We still have problems with this. Um, the current uh, EPA is uh, really fucking shit up because they no longer are actually operating um, kind of with the environment in mind. The E in that, the, the E and the P in the EPA no longer mean anything. So, um, yeah, big asterisk there. But, like, in general, yeah, Chris is right. Like this, The Environmental Protection Agency to protect our money from the environment. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, I think Chris has the sense correct there. But, um, yeah, so that was something we weren't wrong about. We were just, like, confused. And, I, yeah, so we were we were right in that we thought it kind of didn't make any sense. So, and that was, like, the basis of that plot of that whole book. So Pretty much. Whoops. So. All right. What do you got for me next, Paris? Uh, for Holy Cow, I, I didn't really have anything. Um, I, you know, I double checked some stuff that we said and it was right so all right I, so in my in my travels though i came upon a recent interview with david Duchovny, and he just came out with a book last year and it actually looks not bad can you give me like the the bullet point cell yeah um he adapted an old irish myth to the modern day um and it's the it's the myth of um Emer and Cuchulain, I think, or something. Okay, Cuchulain. all right. I forget how to say it. Um, and he adapted it to like uh, New York City, you know. So I mean, he's working with material that already exists. So some American gods shit, basically, by David Duchovny. Uh, uh, maybe there's a little bit more fe- fucking it. I was gonna say, let's not, let's not get that, let's not that, get that crazy. American gods is really good. Um, yeah, true. I would say I actually like the TV show better, but I'm sure some listeners will find me and slip my throat in the night for saying this. But I do. <laughs> um, but actually, like it seems not terrible. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I should read that. But yeah, I, I basically just wanted to say like we don't hate David. Duchovny. Like I I grew up idolizing David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson because I was so into the X Files as a kid, and um, I still definitely don't hate it. I just feel like in that episode it kind of sounded like we were maybe ragging on him a little bit, but. Um, you know, it was we, kind of a silly book, though. So. Yeah, it was it was kind of a weird book, and you know, we had obviously we had a lot of problems with it. But anyway, that was it for me. Speaking of throats being slit in the night and swordplay and stuff like that, I had Aeon Legion next, but I also didn't really find much of it. Like we were just huh. talking about sword fighting and anime stuff. I was just like clarifying anime references to you for most of that episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. So like there wasn't really much. Like unless I was trying to clarify the lore of Aeon Legion, I. There wasn't really much to get wrong in that one. So eh, not, not much there. We could, huh. So all right, cool. episode 17 and 18, we're batting high average here. We're getting it all right. Well, this is also like from our perspective. So who knows what the fuck we <laughs> yeah, missed. True, uh, I'm true. sure we'll get many angry emails. Um, episode 19, Dark Star Confessions of a Rock Idol. Um, I feel like I must have missed things because I only had one thing that we wanted to talk about well there there was another thing that we discussed but i feel like we came to the right conclusion so i i didn't bother but um my one point from dark star is are alligators solitary or do they live in social groups what was the context to that could you do you remember uh, yeah i was literally about to explain that um so uh this question arose because there's a point actually that episode was really fucking funny uh i forgot that there was so 
listening to these the like all these old episodes is of yourself is hard but it definitely made me appreciate how funny some of them were because i never feel like the episodes are funny or good at all because i think i'm just too close to it but then stepping away from it for months or years you know and coming back to it you kind of you forget all your jokes and it's really funny um but anyway <clears throat> there was a part in this book where the the um the uh villain of the book sorry i'm trying to remember his name uh was it the, it was a clown guy right i'm gonna get you yeah, yeah the, the, the clown guy in the prison he's got a high squeaky voice prison um, juggalo guy or whatever yeah what the fuck was it who was possessed by satan yeah a i really don't really stupid I, name oh shit I, anyway it was like boinky or something I don't know. yeah it was it was really stupid um so the really silly villain who's supposed to be really scary somehow um kidnaps the female lead in the story and instead of actually killing her or hurting her in any way he just ties her to a post in the swamp and is so sure that alligators are going to eat her that he just drives away and leaves her there and um yeah the alligators are are painted as like definitely death machines are definitely going to eat a human person tied to a post in a swamp um, and when the main character comes to save her, uh, they pull up on the scene and there's like dozens of alligators, there's a huge like group of them, like closing in on her tied to this post in the swamp. And Chris and I were like, that seems a little weird. I don't think that that's how they operate. And we were right. Um, alligators are solitary creatures. Uh, so like it says that sometimes if they're smaller, like, if they're generally of a smaller size, they might exist kind of close to one another. And they do fight over territory, though, and are usually solitary. Um, the only time they ever really gather in groups is in the spring when they do alligator courtship rituals. Ooh. So it's not, like, impossible that there could have been a few of them together. You know, like, I'm sure we've seen many nature documentaries where there are alligators or crocodiles near one another. But, like... The book just made it seem like there were a lot of them all closing in on this woman. And like, like alligators. It, yeah. So that was a little fucky. Uh, but that was all I had for that episode. What's an alligator courtship ritual? Is it like massaging each other's scales? Let's find out. I'm, I actually didn't make a note. Um, While you're looking for that, I can talk about my little bit of research that I did for Murder Gone Awry. At the end of that book, someone is fed like... Poisoned cakes by way, uh, or it was like muffins or something, that, oh, they have enough cyanide in them. And uh, we got into oh, a... They were, they, were, they were cookies with... with yeah, cookies. Yeah, yep. with, that, uh, it was like there was enough like cyanide baked into them for them to, to kill people. And I guess we assumed that we had there was just enough almond content in there to kill someone. Yeah. So we got into a discussion about, wait a minute, how, you would have to probably eat a lot of fucking almonds because I yeah. can just eat a whole thing of almonds and be fine turns out that's true because the store bought the almonds you get in stores are a variety of almond called a sweet almond because they are not bitter like bitter almonds which are wild yeah so the sweet almonds you get in the store while not exactly sweet like fruit or something like that are much more tasty and delicious and have a very very trace amount of cyanide in them you would have to eat about 1150 sweet almonds oh in one God. sitting to like actually maybe even then die from it. You'd probably have a bad stomach ache by then no matter what you were eating. 
if you eat 1,150 or something, except maybe rice kernels, I think yeah, you probably that's... have a bad time. Yeah. Um, so to but for bitter almonds, if you have about fifty, you'll die, which is still a lot of fucking almonds. So yeah, I don't know how well, many. And also, like bitter almonds taste like fucking shit. Like you. So have... how many do you have to bake into the the cookie? Like you would have to be cramming like fifty almonds per cookie, or maybe twenty five if you think they're gonna go for seconds. Well, which actually, is most of the cookie, right? It would be it would be pretty easy because um, what you can do is you can just throw the almonds in a food processor and turn them into like your flour. Vitamix now sponsored like my by Vitamix. <laughs> Vitamix, it's here for your smoothies and your kitchen murder plots. Um, please don't. I, that was a joke. Please don't murder people with bitter almond meal made in your Vitamix. <laughs> yeah. um, but. Yeah, you could just whip it into almond meal and mix it into the flour and no one would be any of the... I mean, you probably have to put a fuck ton of sugar and vanilla extract in it to mask it, but like... How how big would a 50 almond cookie be? Dude, that's not... When you mill that shit into flour, it's like not that much. All right, fine, then Well, I think I think you'd have to eat... I still think you're right about having to eat more than one cookie, though. That's, that's, that's how 50, I feel about that. Because 50 almonds is about... I want to say maybe a cup. I guess that would probably make like half a cup of flour. Anyway, mm. it would taste like shit because they're bitter almonds. So you well, would no, have you... the first bite and be like, this no. tastes like shit. No, you would just put it. Like I said, you would just put a bunch of like vanilla extract and sweet almond extract and sugar to mask it. Um, it's probably actually pretty possible. But like, I don't know. Like, if you order bitter almonds, I'm pretty sure you're fucking on a watch list, right? Like, where are you getting that? You you can't order them. You have to go get them in the wild in, like, fucking California or something. That's yeah. where most of the sweet almonds are growing. Maybe there's bitter ones over there, too. And they lived in, like, Tulsa, Oklahoma or some shit, right? Like so. Oil Top, Kansas. That's right. I'm sorry. Tulsa. The others. Tulsa, Oklahoma was where March took place. And yeah, we determined that was the epicenter so, of hell, me. remember? Excuse, yeah. Yes, true excuse. I'm sorry. <laughs> so what about them alligator courtship rituals there, so Paris? So apparently alligator courtship is quite complex. Um, it involves a lot of um, a lot of sonic elements. So there's bellowing. <laughs> there's um, head- a lot of sliding into the alligator DMs. Uh, yeah, by yelling directly, you know, the old DM, which was just talking to someone. Uh, um, there's, you're telling me that alligators cat call is what you're saying? Uh, I guess. No, 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 because it says that they bellow to males and females. So I don't know if alligators just like get down and are just bisexual or if like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, um, they, they do some head slapping. Uh, they rub their, they rub snouts and backs. Okay. They bo- blow bubbles, which is adorable. Oh. Um, and they send, you know, pheromones, like, scent signals, which, you know, pretty much everyone does without even thinking about it. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, I oh. guess, pretty complicated. They do little dances. Wow. Yeah. They do dances. They have a whole thing set up there. We need alligator yeah. tactics instead of hoe tactics. Now. Oh. <laughs> How to lock up your zookeeper and <laughs> get free food forever because he's your mark. Oh, alligator tactics. What, All right, Paris. That? Oh, anyway. Um, oh, God, it's me again. Yes, it is. Um, episode 21, Monster Hunter International. Yeah, once again, didn't really have any corrections. Uh, the only thing that we kind of briefly were like, I don't know, is that a thing or not? And I, I was like, I don't know. I don't, think the, I don't think the years match up at all. And I was right. Um, so the, the question was, did... Any Scandinavian explorers ever work alongside conquistadors in Central or South America? 
was there any like cross pollination between yeah any conquistadors and scandinavians because there was like there was this guy in the book that we were almost positive was scandinavian was like a viking was supposed to be like a viking dude um who was who existed at the same time period as a conquistador and i was like that doesn't make any fucking sense but i was like i don't know like maybe i'm not a historian like i don't know what i'm talking about but yeah i mean conquistadors happened like 500 years after the viking era was over so like definitely no uh all right well and that's, i'm not well, surprised that, well, that, that, that book was historically inaccurate well but but then again i was thinking about it and i was like i don't know that we ever had a passage in the book that directly said the dude was supposed to be a viking or scandinavian we just got that sense from the way that he was described and the way that he spoke and the things that he said about where he had come from so we could have been wrong maybe he was supposed to be like a saxon or something uh, you know something that was a little more um temporally possible right. uh but i guess I don't know. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, anyway, uh, however, so the major- so like the mainstream majority opinion is that like, you know, the Viking era ended in like 1000 or like 11, maybe 1000 something or 1100. And the conquistador shit kicked off in like 1400. So like, you know, you got four or 500 years there. Um, but there is a minority of folks <laughs> Oh. Who, are, who are really pushing for this possibility that Scandinavian explorers got much further south than Vinland, which is like, you know, uh, whatever, se- or uh, settlements they had in Canada. What is it? Like La, La something meadow? I, I would know. I forget. Um, but anyway, uh, and, and, you know, and in my <laughs> exploring... Most of the websites I ended up on were uh, white supremacist sites. So oh. I t- oh okay, yeah. Um, so take you're gonna that- have some fun Google ads for a while. Yeah, Pat. so take that to mean what you want. Um, I so like I nonstop Trump campaign 2020. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Well, no. So I was, you know, I I was like, okay, I, I was like, I don't even feel like I need to Google this because I know that the time periods don't match up. But I was like, I'm again, you know, I'm not a historian. I'm gonna check. And it was like, I kept getting these sites that were like, oh, but these dogs existed here and those dogs are a match for like dogs from Scandinavia and the only way they could have gotten there is if they brought them there. And like, I was clicking on sites and it took me a minute to realize that they were probably white supremacist sites. I I didn't really notice at first because I was so focused on the, you know, the detail of what I was looking up. And then I noticed some symbols and was like, oh, oh no, oh no, close the window, close the window, close the window. (laughs) Fuck. Um... Hope you weren't doing that research at work. So I guess there are... No, I was doing it at home. But so like, you know, there's a minority opinion there, but I, I don't uh, I don't really want to like give too much stock in that. But I will say that history is ever changing, right? Like we find out new sure. crazy shit about the past every day. So who knows? As of right now, it doesn't really seem like there's evidence to support that. But, you know, who knows? All right. Well, moving on to Stone of Tears, the second book in the Sword of Truth series. Um, I mean, there wasn't much here, because with fantasy novels, it's not like we talk about much like factual stuff, so I tend to focus on lore elements here. And the kind of one thing we didn't really get clarified, even by TJ, was does it matter if a regular person cries on the Stone of Tears? Because when a wizard cries on the Stone of Tears, that's what seals the Keeper away, 
the the big evil Satan figure in the Sword of Truth series down in the underworld. So I was question at one point I was questioning, wait a minute, does it what happens for regular person? Why does the wizard have to cry on the thing? So I went on looking on uh, Sword of Truth like Wikia lore fan sites and everything. I tried to avoid spoilers. I did not just click willy nilly. I tried to be very particular about what I was looking at over here, and no one really had. had I I didn't think Terry Goodkind would have thought this out a whole lot. And turns out he really didn't because there's not really much explanation as to why it has to be a wizard. But it has to be a wizard to cry on the thing, and regular people could cry on it all they want, and I guess it doesn't matter. Huh. I wonder why... Another... uh, I mean, Terry, it doesn't sound like he thinks through his lore all the way, because there's... Well, no. Sorry, go ahead. uh, There's a lot... There's some stuff that happens, some things that I did glance over that really just made it look like... Harry's doing whatever in that series, whatever fits the bill. Well, that uh, was that was my problem with uh, the fact that he didn't really have a well-defined magic system. That was one of my yeah. Speaking of a magic series. system, I did peek at a list of spells, all the spells that take place in uh, the Sword of Truth series. So now I have the full compendium here. I'm a level ninety-nine Sword of Truth <laughs> wizard, I guess. Oh boy. Um, and there, you know, most of them were like, oh, diamond of protection or wizard flame or something like that. But there was one. That I didn't click into because I didn't want any spoilers, but it gave me cause for concern because one of the spells was named Maternity Spell. And I don't like that in the context of what Terry writes, so I'm very Mm. scared to read the rest of the series now. I'm just going to take the positive view, and my positive view is that the Maternity Spell means that it just speeds up your... uh, maternity leave so that like you're sure. boom you're right back you're right back to work boom you boom done baby's gone uh that's what that spell is for and it is right, definitely well, not to force pregnancy on anyone moving on well, you know well i guess we might find out eventually i kind of uh, don't want to moving uh, on to uh, your next book yeah um so episode 23 was ho tactics lucky Ooh, me nice um so in this episode this is a bit shameful uh we we cut into a this is this is the point uh, this is a content warning part if you don't want to hear about genitals please move on um skip ahead a little bit yeah we uh we had an argument about uh labial prominence <laughs> to put it plainly yep. yeah. um so it came uh, how did i actually don't remember how this came god i just listened to the episode um Oh, right, because we got into this, like, we went down this weird road where Chris was like, people people on the internet get hyper-focused on weird parts of women's bodies and give them names and dedicate subreddits to them and things. And Chris asked me, Chris tasked me, rather, tasked me with figuring out what a simp was. It's a part of a, he was like, it's part of a woman's body. And I, I couldn't figure it out. Um, and God, it pains me to have these words come out of my mouth. Uh, Chris explained to me. We're in this together, Parrot. We're in this together. Uh, Chris explained to me. God, this is gonna, this is one of those audio clips that's like gonna come back to get, to like bite me in the ass at like somewhere down the road. But, uh, Chris explained to me that a simp is a style of vagina where, uh, the, it's, I think it's the, perhaps the more common style where the labia majora so the outer labia are closed and they enclose the labia minora the inner labia so that um the woman's vagina looks like homer simpson's mouth yes i mean obviously she has to be 
unshaved for the full effects to happen there. Or you mean but... shaved? Yes. You, you said, okay. So yeah, pubic hair shaved, uh, large outer labia. Yeah, this is awkward. Um, basically, I was like, wait, vaginas are classed as inies or outies? Like, wh- what? I've never heard of this. And I thought, I, I thought this was weird, but... Um, I just didn't know. Like, I, I, I'm a... Did you do any research to support this? I or? did. I did. Um, oh. And I guess there's I'm sure actually... sure you found many horrible websites. Well, no. No. Actually, I, I started to feel pretty bad about the way that I reacted in the first episode because I was like, oh my God, it sounds fucking gross. And I didn't... Because I didn't think that it was real. Like, I was just... I, I thought you were just confused or exaggerating or, like, fucking with me or whatever. So, I'm really sorry. Uh, I... I didn't mean to make fun of anybody's anatomy. I, and I guess that, like, I feel worse about it because after doing some some reading, I guess some um, people who have inner labia who that are more prominent that actually, like, um, extend beyond their outer labia, apparently a lot of people are, like, self-conscious about that and people get, like, labiaplasties to, like, trim it and make it look like, you know, I guess the preferred version, which is where your outer labia cover the inner labia. And I was like... Fuck, I wouldn't I wouldn't make anyone feel unco- God, I felt so terrible about it. I was like, Jesus Christ. It's like I guess there's like a real problem with that. And there there's no medical reason to want one or the other. No, I mean the, the, apparently, it's just the way it looks and they all look fine. Yeah, and apparently there have been there, some people do get labiaplasties not because they're like trying to conform to a beauty standard, but because some people's like extended labia actually cause them discomfort like if they um if they dance or play sports or like whatever so some people get them trimmed just to stop it from being uncomfortable but like um yeah so sorry i was an asshole about anatomy that is my own i just like i'm a straight woman i didn't know <laughs> i don't I yeah don't regularly you've look at so many. i've probably seen the you know just yeah. through the virtue of being on the internet and the stuff like that uh magnitude more than you and that Listen, generally, they're all great. That's all I have to yeah, say about right, it. Right, so, right. Like, it's, it's so it's totally fine. I'm sorry that I fucking shamed some people. I did not mean to. Uh, I was an idiot. I have been corrected. And you've learned from your experience. I have. Um, and then the other thing, I just wanted to make a, a like a quick clarification on the use of ebonics. Um, I don't, I don't even know if that that's probably not even. But the, the use of African American, yeah, English yeah, AAV um, is technically the more. What? AAVE, African American vernacular. Yeah, English, yeah, or Ebonics, or however, however you want to put it. Um, like, I have no issue with that at all. Like, I'm not not like a weird, not like a weird uh, language person. fascist. Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, I just felt like the use of it in the book by that author was like sort of disingenuous and predatory. I felt like he was writing that way so that he could convince people that his view was real and therefore correct like he was like he was like oh you know if i use the vernacular of you know the common folk on the street like they'll believe me more or something i don't know i just got i got the sense that his the way that he wrote wasn't genuine i fully agree and it bothered me and that was what bothered me like i don't have a i don't have i just when i was re-listening to it i was like oh it kind of sounds like i'm talking shit about you know 
non-standard English, but that that was not it. I was I just felt like the author was not being genuine and was doing it just so he could try to like trick people into buying his book, basically. So anyway, uh, that was that. So that was a on. fun one to get through. Yeah. Um, next up for me is Melanie's Marvelous Measles, the anti-vax children's <laughs> oh, book. Oh, boy. A point of contention for us, the only thing that really needed some clarification is that we kind of got into a little bit of a semantic discussion about what exactly an illustration is. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. there's an illustrator credited for the book, but the pictures were sort of just like weirdly photoshopped or filtered images that clearly weren't hand drawn or anything like that. Or at least, at least they really didn't. It was like it looked like it was a, a bunch of like computer rendered stuff and yes. like photos that had filters. I mean, maybe some of it was drawn, but it didn't really look like it. All right. So turns out, technically, anything that's a picture that is an example of something or provides you like here's what is in the text is an illustration. It does not have to be a sort of like hand drawn. Or even put together, technically, like, lithography, wood carving, sculpture all count as illustrations because the they fuck? are depictions, examples of things, apparently. Blowing my mind, Chris. Exactly. So, because you're illustrating a thing, right? There's text in the book, and to illustrate it, as if, like, you're illustrating a point, you have this visual object or visual thing to, to take in. Which is an illustration, so they would count. Turns out, wow, yeah, I had I always use the term illustration when I'm talking about something that was hand definitely, and that's definitely with, like, more pen common or use. ink. And I I had no idea that it could be anything that is an example to demonstrate, like because once again, illustrating a point is the example that I will use to sort of hammer the metaphor home there. So turns out, hey, that illustrator credit is totally fine. We should not have given them shit about that particular point. It <sighs> was right. the rest of the anti-vax stuff that they deserve shit for. Well, once again, fuck me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I agree with you at the time, so also fuck me. Yeah. Um. All right. So the next one's going to be fun. So episode Ooh, yes. 25 was Audubon's Watch. A special one for us. Yeah, it was special um, because uh, I think it's I think it's time, Chris. I think it's time yes. to tell the people. So you probably figured this out through context clues. But um, the author of Audubon's Watch uh, is actually the one who emailed us long ago. He was our first piece of, I guess you could consider it hate mail. Um, also, was, just plain old authorial response. Yeah, it was brief. Um, but one of his choice lines in his email was he said that what we do, meaning uh, reading books and reviewing them, is gratuitously cruel. <laughs> and so I, I was like, okay, when I re-listen to this episode, I'm going to think, I'm going to think about it and decide if what if our review was gratuitously cruel. And honestly, it wasn't. We just didn't like the book, which happens when you review books as book reviewers. Like, I don't know how else to say it, but like, we didn't, and this, my original defense kind of remains the same. Like, we didn't engage in any ad hominem attacks. Like, we didn't say anything, we didn't say that the author was terrible. We even said that the writing was relatively competent. It just wasn't a style that we liked. Um... We had problems with the plot points in the story, and I think that those were valid. Like, I really, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I just, 
We weren't I like feel- calling them names or saying no. like you should never write again. No. It was just like we didn't like this one. It, yeah. I think we were like even more gentle with this one than a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I know. And I was just like, I, and even, I think, I wonder if it was, I don't remember now if it was during that episode, that actual episode, or if it was in a later one that I had to re-listen to, but we were talking about how as, you know, as, um, musicians as fellow artists like authors we have to deal with people critiquing our work and having things out in the world that aren't perfect and like i don't know i I mean that just comes with the territory like if you're if you're an author a musician or a dancer or um any like a carpenter god any type of person who makes a thing which is i feel like everyone right there's just about but even, a good even, portion of people. Right. Like even the things you even the things you make at work, right? Like it's not art, but say you say you write something at work and it has to get edited, or somebody's like, oh, there's a correction. Like I don't know. But maybe maybe people don't take us kindly to that. But as artists ourselves, I mean, we know what it's like to get bad reviews and to have people say like things about our art that we don't particularly love, but I would never go out of my way to email someone who gave my, you know, my music a bad review or this podcast a bad review. Like we didn't respond because there's no point in doing that. Um, so yeah, and their I, opinion is valid if they don't like it. Like we're right. not, we're never going to please everybody. That's fine. And like I don't expect, I don't expect an author um, whose book we read to enjoy an episode of Terrible Book Club unless. I mean, unless they're a reasonable person, I guess, or if it was a book we liked, maybe, because that does happen sometimes. And I think I think what he meant was like, he doesn't like the idea that we that we seek out things that we think will be bad to review them. But honestly, like, I don't see the problem with that. People seek out things they think are going to be good and read them. And we just do something slightly different. Like, we're not I never think we're really looking for something to dig into. Most of the time, if we're end up pleasantly surprised, we end up pleasantly surprised. Yeah, like we review books and we review them honestly and and it made me it made me think about it and I honestly feel like a lot of um actually I could say this in the music industry as well, but a lot of book reviewers and a lot of music reviewers they they really are I think too gentle a lot of the time. Uh you know, everyone is afraid of offending any everybody else. Maybe people are paid to do these reviews and it's it's just unfortunate because it means that people don't really get a fair critique of where they went wrong and what they did well. Instead, they just kind of get a generalized sprinkling of it's fine. And that doesn't really help anybody. So I don't think you need to be cruel. Like, I'm not saying that we need more reviews out there that are just bashing the material. But like, we need a good middle ground where you're being genuine about what you're saying in review. And it's, I mean, and this, don't get me wrong, like this show isn't very serious, of course. You know, we read these books and we just kind of react to them and joke around and have a good time. Like, it's a, it's a show for people to have fun, maybe learn a thing, or maybe just laugh at us because we got something wrong, right? Like, it's not, we're not scholars. <laughs> That's not, nope. that was never the point, and we don't nope. claim to be as such. Um, so yeah, I you know honestly, I I don't think what we do is gratuitously cruel. Um, and but like you said, of course, people are allowed to have their opinion, and and I know that this show doesn't appeal to everyone. It wasn't nothing appeals to everyone, right? Like this, it's a little absurd. Um, there are certain certain things that have a wider reach, but um, 
Yeah. Anyway, I've I've gone on about that enough. Yes. Uh, so uh, another thing, something that came up while we were reading it uh, is we we asked, "What's up with people watching bodies after they die? Because <laughs> someone yeah. dies." And like after I read, I think. I think I might have said on air it was because they wanted to make sure they were dead. And yeah, that is part of it. Um, because around that time, I believe, oh, when does that book take place? Fuck. Um, oh, 19th century, 18th century ish. I just don't remember if it was in the Victorian era or not, but I think it was, I don't remember. Anyway, um, there was a pretty long period of time where people were really, really scared of being buried alive because, you know, due to the fact that medical technology in the West wasn't quite far along, there were times where people got buried alive. It wasn't quite as common as like the, you know, as books and media proclaimed it to be, but it did stir up quite a fear in people. And there was a whole industry of like weird gadgets (laughs) based around this fear. Um, there's some really great drawings of uh, of some things that existed. So one of the ones I think I love the most is um, there's this really elaborate bell system <laughs> where uh, so you're in your coffin, right? Mm-hmm. You're all you're all snugged up in there. People think you're dead, and you think you're dead. <laughs> so you're most you're you're dead to the waking world. You know, yes. it seems like you're dead. You get buried in your coffin, but before you go down, they tie a string tightly to your toe to your big toe and they make sure that string goes all the way up to the surface so it sneaks out of the coffin all the way up through the dirt and it's tied to a bell on a pole so that i've heard of this before when you wake up you can wiggle your toe yep. and they can dig you up and you won't really die <laughs> um and there there were all kinds there were some with um with actual vents that went all the way i think most of them like you know, if people were investing in the bell, they were probably also investing in a vent. Uh, but they got vents that went all the way th- to the surface. And all I could think was like, what if it rains, dude? Like, yeah. <laughs> although I don't know, hopefully they would be smart enough not to have just like a direct flat open thing. <laughs> but who knows? Um, but yeah, there were there were all sorts of like ridiculous things. So, yeah, one of the reasons was to make sure the person was actually dead. Um, second, the second thing that I found out that I didn't think of at the time was that grave robbing was a real problem mm-hmm. um so the habit of like the wake of standing awake and watching a body for a day or two or three or whatever before they were buried uh was a to make sure someone was dead and b to keep people from stealing their shit like because a lot of people were buried with like jewelry or clothing or whatever that was expensive and um yeah grave robbing was a real problem so there you go um the last one i don't really have a specific answer for i don't even i don't even know if there's really any use in talking about it again but well anyway there is there is utility so the last point from this episode was um uh during the episode chris and i got into a little discussion about like you know is uh is the representation of a shitty thing in a book endorsement or is it just a portrayal this has come up a couple of times in the show, but it was it was like a particularly sticky point in this one. Um, and it was in regards to slavery and racism in the book. And it's like, you know, so the question, to be more clear about the specific work, is, is it okay to portray slavery and racism 
in a work of fiction when the larger work isn't specifically about race relations. So basically, in other words, is using African-Americans as set dressing in a period piece acceptable? And I, I remember when we, when we read it, and of course, when I re-listened to the episode, I was really frustrated about it because there was a couple of care. There were a couple of lines. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't frequent in the book, certainly. I think there were maybe like two lines or something by characters where they said explicitly racist things. Um, and otherwise, all the African Americans in the book, um, both slave and otherwise, were um, silent. They had no agency in the work. They literally were props. And I remember I was really upset about it. And Chris and I kind of got into a discussion and we couldn't really come to a decision about whether... You know, like, of course, if you're writing a book during a time where slavery existed, you know, there's there's going to be the presence of enslaved African-Americans and like it would be disingenuous not to include them. Yeah, like I get it. But by the same token, I really I think you need to do a bit of you need to flesh out those people so that they are people and not fucking and not a fucking lamp. Like, I just feel like the the African-Americans were treated like furniture, you know? And we discussed about, like, okay, but was that an accurate way to portray these two men since, the, since we are reading this, uh, since the book was written in first person from two people's perspectives, right? I don't think it ever went into, like, third-person omniscient, right? No, it didn't. No. So, like... It was tough, right? Because, of course, if you're writing from the perspective of two relatively well-off, you know, well-known, uh, wealthy white folks uh, during a time when slavery existed, it would be fairly common for people to have racist sentiments, to think that white people are better than black people. And, of course, that's going to come up. Um, I mean, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to, but it probably will, right? Um, and so there was there was a minor role in it in the book, and I, and I, I guess I'm not really sure where I... I still am not really sure where I fall. I feel like I, I feel like maybe in the episode I was a little heavy-handed with saying like, "Oh, this shouldn't have been in there. I can't believe it," uh, because of the point Chris made, like, yeah, it would be kind of disingenuous not to include it. But I still think that there should be, I don't know, just a little more there. Like, I there's, I don't know. Instead of having a bunch of slaves that live outside of of the mansion and or where the most of the book takes place and the body watching happens. And most of what they do is, like, get scared about a storm happening. Why don't you focus on a, one or two characters that happen to be enslaved and really flesh them out and bring them into the story as reasonable participants? Even if they don't have a, a huge role in what the goings-on are, at least considering, I think maybe if you just pared it down and really thought about one or two people that you could add, it would really help in this sense instead of having, like I said, a whole cadre of background people. Yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah, that's a good point. That's also something I was thinking about. Like there was specifically there was like the butler at the at the fuck apartment or whatever. Yes. <laughs> um at what was her name? Not Miranda. I didn't <sighs> listen to that episode again, so that I know. I did and I still can't remember her name, but uh My- Myra, Myra. Myra. My- Myra's fuck apartment uh where she goes to fuck dudes that aren't her husband. <laughs> there's there's a butler there um that, you know, and I feel like getting it, you know, getting inside that butler's head probably would have produce some interesting right. You know, right. things right um and at the house 
yeah, like talking about, oh, the slaves were afraid of a storm. And I just, I don't know, that didn't sit well with me because I was like, just because people are enslaved doesn't mean they're dumb and don't understand the weather. I don't really yeah. understand. Yeah. Like, I felt like that was kind of mm, shitty. But again, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to wrestle with. And I just but I do think that if you if you're writing a story and there's going to be um, people of color in it uh, or people who are enslaved or both or like some other marginalized group, if so yeah, I guess my point is if there is any kind of marginalized group in your work and you are not part of that marginalized group, you have to make extra effort um, to write about it in a way that is, I guess, accurate and compassionate. You know, it doesn't have to... I'm not saying you can't have shitty characters in books. Like, of course, like, you need to... You need to display those, like, you know, racist, abusive, um, you know, rapist, horrible characters. But like, like we can't live in a world where all of our media is squeaky clean and happy, of course, because then, you know, it's like, what are you even saying? Like, you're not even getting to the meat of anything. But I think there is a way to treat all that difficult stuff. Um, yeah, that I think th- I just think there's a better way. I guess I'm having trouble describing exactly how i imagine that would go but yeah it's a a tough uh thing to articulate a lot of i think we got the general point across here though honestly yeah i guess of of what we're you know it's still a murky subject and i don't think we're going to come to a definitive this is the way you should do it because this is again this is the part of the artistry of it there's no never a clear answer it's your job as the writer to figure out the best way to do it yeah and I, i guess i guess my closing point is just that i do think i was a little too heavy-handed in the original episode because i think i was just annoyed about the book as a whole and it kind of crept into uh the way i thought about you know things in the book and i do think that i was a little i think i was a little too hyperbolic (laughs) all right well hey score one for you john gregory brown john bit jim bob tom well he won't find this because we're not gonna have his name in the fucking text of the episode which is how he found the first one so (laughs) we'll see about that all right moving on we we actually kind of go along with this i don't know if we can cover all the things that we've actually done research oh yeah we are gonna actually have to oh my god i forgot something very important you know what chris um if you think your next one's gonna be quick before we close, I do want to just read some YouTube comments from folks about some of the episodes that we already discussed because I meant to do that. Okay, so how about this? Let's let's clip through some of the next few. We can stop at thirty. Oh, all right, sure. All right, my next book that I had was "You Suck," the vampire romancey thing that was a little bit sort of satirical and stuff like that. Oh, and we yeah, got into yeah. a we got into a little because like the way that vamp it was the second book in the series, and we were a little murky on exactly how vampires were created in this particular universe so i went and did a little bit of general research on vampire lore because that was kind of the whole thing we were trying to figure out like all the different ways that vampires can get made turns out vampires are a pretty super common thing across almost all cultures some form of the undead or recently dead or not even fully sometimes vampires aren't are still considered living beings that have not died but just still feed off of flesh or blood or something like that and they're, they're all over the place. Even There's even an interesting commonality between Slavic and Chinese folklore that references vampires being created when an animal jumps over a corpse, especially a cat or a dog. Cool. 
So don't let your dog jump over your corpse or you will rise from the dead. Also, traditionally, <laughs> vampires or or definitely do so that you definitely yeah, rise. Actually, from the dead. Actually, if you could do if you could do me one last favor, if if, if yeah, just jump over my body after I'm dead so I can rise and take care of you still, I might make you a vampire too. But you know. Oh, also, an, okay. un- an interesting point I came across was that, you know, modern day vampires, pale, skinny, sort of gaunt and sort of like that. Most of the early form of vampires were actually more like purple and bloated in their description. Oh. That Most of them were described as being sort of like red or purple in the face, bloated and from like the blood of their victims or even just having general blood spattered across their face and everything like that. Just an interesting little tidbit there about early style vampires the recent like pale kind of vampire trend is like super recent that's like a dracula from all like only from there on were they that kind of a thing interesting um and lastly a, a, a nice interesting point is that there is a lot of different rituals across cultures to like stop people from rising from the dead there's all kinds of like, like all people putting lemons in the mouth or like putting lemons near them. Sometimes, like because they get bloated, like a sickle was placed near the corpse so that if it got too bloated, the sickle would burst it literally, and then huh. it would not be allowed to come uh, back as some kind of flesh or blood fe- feeding monster. Um, garlic also popular, you know. Obviously, that's where that came from. I guess I just wonder why lemon and garlic, though. Like what? What makes those things anathema to vampires? Like I never, I was never, I never really understood that. Almost any kind of food at some point, honestly, just like <laughs> almost anything that like has a vaguely acidic or like spiciness to it was probably used as near a corpse to stop it from rising from the dead. Honestly, I see lemon and garlic, and I think that they must just be things that block the smell of death. Right? Could be. Right? It and could that's just probably be... how it happened. Mm. I don't so, know. I'm like, just talking on my ass. I might not be right. But I mean, I'm- there's so many different. The most interesting one that I read about was <laughs> apparently some scientist or researcher posited that he had found a corpse with a brick in its mouth. And he was oh like, oh, God, obviously that's an undead like vampire prevention <laughs> oh ritual. God. Oh, my God. Do you know what I'm thinking about right now? What? Brick in your face. <laughs> From that fucking rapper guy. Yep. He was yep. actually, see, he's actually helping you prevent vampires by stuffing bricks of coke in your face. <laughs> I think what that might that? be Stitches. Stitch- Is it, oh, I, al- <laughs> I was going to call him Stitcher. That's not right. <laughs> no, it's Stitches. It's a podcast thing. All right, that's all I have for you, oh, suckers. Some wow, interesting vampire great. lore for you. Oh, Let's head on over to your next one. Um,. Actually, I think that up to this point, there's only one. Uh, I want to. I'm sorry. I know this is a little out of order, but I want to go back to the YouTube comment somebody made on the Ho Tactics video. Okay. I don't think there's any relevant ones before this episode that we covered. So any, I don't know. I might have missed it. It's hard to keep track of fucking YouTube comments. So uh, some user, a use, YouTube user named Bella D. Um, <laughs> she was very upset at us. <laughs> if this is considered stealing, then men cheating should also be a crime. Men are paying for the time of a woman much more attractive, not for an equal. They are not going to pay for the time of a gray-haired woman with no makeup. There is a balance between resources and, atten- and attraction factor. 
Men give hundreds of dollars to strippers, so obviously they don't mind parting from money to get their kicks. When a man is not offering to marry a woman, a woman should get paid for her time because aging detracts from her value, plus effort and cost of hair, makeup, dieting, etc. A man equally attractive to the woman is not a target. The lure is that she is the most attractive woman he can get attention from. The imbalance of looks is compensated by resources. Are you, are you okay, lady? Did, did someone uh, hurt you? Because it yeah, yeah, sounds dude. like you had a rough time. And Fucking I'm sorry. Fucking calm the fuck down, Bella D. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry that it went no, that like, way for you. Like, I, I, you know, if she clearly, this, or, well, I'm assuming she, this person, uh, clearly, I'm not really sure if this person, I wonder if this person listened to the episode and understands that, like, we didn't write the book because <laughs> like i know i think that at some point during the episode we did say that a lot of what the author was suggesting women do was fraud it was kind of like steal although it wasn't really stealing because you know they're they're just convincing men to give them gifts right but it's under false pretenses and that's why we considered it fraud like if you tell someone you know oh yeah i'm definitely gonna oh oh i love you so much baby oh pay for my vacation and they pay for your vacation and then you fucking disappear from their life like they're gonna feel cheated because now you deceived them (laughs) it's not like litigatable fraud right of course not yeah and and so she seemed very she seemed very upset about that she thinks that if a man isn't going to marry a woman then they need to pay for their time which is a, there are a lot of layers to that that I don't even want to get into. But yeah, we have we, we're trying to wrap this up but, uh, fairly quick. So man, yeah. So what we've learned about being on YouTube is that YouTubers are salty as fuck. Oh man, yeah. they're so mad all the time. Can't um, wait for more YouTube comments. Uh, actually, no. I will say the ones for um the ep- the episode I'm about to talk about for the Dragon Prince. Uh, we're pretty good. I had some, I had some like fun little conversations with people in the comments. They were real nice. So, um, you know, even though they had some clarifications for us and some disagreements, they were generally quite lovely folks. Um, yeah. So, um, there's one person who gave us a lot of detail. Um, and it was, it was interesting. So I won't read the whole thing, but, uh, if, if any of it's relevant, actually one of the things, the first thing I want to talk about is relevant. So episode twenty eight was twenty sorry twenty seven was Dragon Prince, mm-hmm. uh, which was a patron request, and uh, I think our first patron request. Um, and it was our indeed. our first question here is: Do people eat fruit like this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's so in the audio of the episode, I said that there were two distinct scenes where two different types of fruit had their skins sucked off and thrown on a plate and only their insides were ingested mm-hmm. um but the youtube commenter was like hey i only found one scene with the grapes you mentioned a second scene with peaches but i couldn't find it unfortunately i didn't really have the time to see if i could find the peach scene but whatever um but in any case we'll just use the grape scene yeah there's a scene where Somebody, we're like, somebody's eating grapes, you know, in a very George R. R. Martin fashion. We're getting fucking play-by-plays of someone eating a food. Um, and, it, and it says that they pick up the grape, they suck out the inside, and they throw the skin on a plate. All and right. I was just like, I mean, 
it just seems weird. And I remember, like, during the episode, you and I were like, I don't know, maybe there were, like, pesticides on the outside. But then it's like, why are you putting it in your mouth anyway if there are pesticides on it? Yeah. Um, so we couldn't really come up with a reason. And uh, let me see if this YouTube commenter came up with a reason. He left a I'm reason. also on this ah, uh, bit lengthy. On, your bit on the fruit confused the hell out of me, so I went to look for that line. Here we go. Andrade popped a grape into her mouth and split the skin with her teeth, drawing off the sweet juices before spitting out the remains into a silver bowl provided for the purpose. Maybe it's just awkwardly written? I always took it to mean that she was spitting out the seed, but I don't know. I can't remember anything about a peach. Uh, but I don't know that that was um, that that was the line I was even thinking about. So, I, but again, it's been a really long time, and honestly, I wish I had had more time to go and double check the actual text of the book but i remember a more specific scene where it was like where they like pulled it up pulled the skin out of their mouth and put it on a plate i remember that one too yeah so i don't know i mean i could have made a mistake and maybe this person is right but obviously like yeah if you split the skin with your teeth and then spit out the remains they're probably sure that's like a a grape with a seed in it but um i don't know so we're still we're still a little confused about that (laughs) so yeah uh but uh, all right most, let's keep it moving here Paris. yeah uh as, so in the episode this is another one for fucking another fucking x on my fucking report card i i said dronath is like plant heroin which is a redundancy because heroin comes from plants and i knew that and when i said it i was like fuck but i was like oh well uh whatever but it's been bothering me so i know that heroin comes from plants comes from pop the poppy plant i understand that it was just, again, this is why we're doing this. Um, but I basically like Dranoth is different because in the books, the drug Dranoth cures the plague and like 80% of people that are afflicted. So like, I'm pretty sure heroin isn't fucking curing anything. So it's not quite the same. Um, people definitely have used heroin as a quote unquote medicine, but it's really just a pain reliever. It doesn't actually like fix yeah, anything it, right it, it's, and it's yeah. highly highly addictive obviously um more so now because it's rarely in its pure form but um yeah and the the youtube person did have some uh, sorry i should mention this person was very nice uh their name is kessier uh it's your username they were they were really cool so i appreciate how nice they were about it um because they they still enjoyed the episode even though they really love the series because i mean we were you know we didn't hate it we were just we had some Conf- issues with confused it. Confused you know? about certain. So confused, yeah. And again, it's like they and they made the point, actually a couple of people have made the point that like, oh, when you read the whole series, like a lot of the things make more sense. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But like I thought about it and I was like, if you write a book, it should be able to stand on its own, right? Like you should like you can't of course, if you have like a mystery or something, that's one thing, but when we have a a problem understanding the world, I feel like that's an it yeah. that's a real issue. Yeah. So anyway, um, Where's the drug thing? Uh, oh, they also also clarified the rape scene, which is my next point. Uh, ah, as for the Dranath, sorry, this is what the YouTube commenter says. It is addicting, but not overly so at first. It is easily beatable at first if you know exactly what it is and how it can affect you. Uh, Krigo, the Faradi enslaved by Rolstra, hasn't a clue, and when he first feels the symptoms, he of course reaches for the drug-infused wine. Thus taking more of it, he is making it so that the next time he experiences the withdrawal, it's going to be more of a painful experience than the first. Eventually, he's enslaved and can't do anything about it. 
uh, Shanette is able to be weaned off because she is only given one dose and the book goes into some detail about how she's feeling the effects. Janoth is an important plot point in future books when some characters go through absolute hell when dealing with it. After the first few times um, he willingly swallowed the wine, Krieger would never be able to deal with the symptoms, having only been drugged once Shanette was. So, I don't know. I'm still, like, not super convinced by that explanation. So, they're basically saying that, like, it's not, like, you need more than one dose to become addicted to it or you know but i don't know it still seems a little weird to me but i it was a long time ago so yeah, I, I don't you know. know but i still feel like it was a little inconsistent um yeah i i don't know because I, I, uh, I feel it, like- it was very murky the whole time i i still yeah. don't have a clear picture even after that comment yeah um all right so the Dronoff. i just wanted to make a point that like i i know that Heroin is made from plants. <laughs> I just misspoke. It was dumb. Uh, my next question is, what's up with male rape and like, n- like fetishistic or like non-vanilla sex in fantasy novels? Like, what is the deal with that? We talked about it briefly because we were like, God damn it. Can we read a fantasy novel where these things don't happen? Because I feel like we were hit with fucking uh, uh, Wizard's First Rule. We were hit with Dragon Prince. And it was like fuck like that both of those things happen in both novels and we're like what is up with this like is this like why why can't we get away from this in fantasy novels um it just it started those things started to become a trope and i guess i don't really have a straight up answer for this um it, it continues you know i started watching the outlander oh TV series, and let me tell you paris <laughs> that's right you want to talk about gratuitous rape yeah i i don't People just, people just trying to fucking work things out, and it's all in fantasy novels, I guess. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I mean, that season finale of season one is some. Uh, that's that's a lot of time they dedicated to yeah. something, man. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, yeah, you, so you. I be careful with that series, please. If you if you're sensitive to that kind of material. Yeah. Um. So I guess I don't really have an answer, but I will say that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it is about fantasy novels. Um. It's because it's real and raw and it's dangerous. So no one's getting murdered, but someone still gets really hurt. No, I think I think it's because it's the opposite, actually. I think it's because it's fantasy. It's not real. So we can, you know, we think we can indulge in these things that we would never write about if we were writing a modern novel. At least, you know, a mo- a a mo- a novel. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus, my brain is fucked. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just don't read a lot of contemporary fiction, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I feel like the male rape thing is definitely tougher to find in your like contemporary fiction. Mm-hmm. The non-vanilla sex, though, that's kind of become more popular with the advent of Fifty Shades of Grey, where people found out about anal beads and, you know, now housewives are all about it or whatever. Sure. Um I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm not doing a very good job with this, but I failed. I failed you. I'm sorry. But you failed that, me that, more, that, that, so I feel less bad. This whole episode is us admitting our fault here. We're already up on, like, two hours of it, so oh, if this Jesus isn't enough Christ. for you. Oh, my God. How are we not done with this yet? Oh, um, Listen, we got to get to 30, and then that's oh, it. I think okay. we cut it off there. Yeah, and then part two will be the other 30. Fuck. Um, 
what was up with the light bubble during the <laughs> final fight between Rolstra and Rohan. Rohan. Yeah. Uh, actually, very helpful YouTube person. Um, also pointed something out about that. Ah, yeah. Um, da, da, da. Oh, um, it said that it's okay. So their explanation is kind of, again, like, oh, you didn't, you know, you didn't read the rest of the series. And I'm like, well, of course, again, I think a book should be able to stand on its own. So I kind of am not into that explanation, but they do mention that, um, Shined created a dome of light to stop interference from Rolstra, so no knife could come suddenly flying through the air should Rohan start to win in the duel. So the light bubble was to keep external parties from interfering in the fight, which actually does make a lot of sense. I, I don't know why we didn't realize that when we were reading the book. <laughs> sometimes, you know. Yeah, sometimes we miss stuff. So, um, yeah. Uh, so that was kind of dumb that we missed that. So thanks, YouTube person. You have been very helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, great comment to have. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a great it's comment. Like, Even oh, if we don't yeah. agree with every point, it's a great comment. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I think that was all I had for, uh, for Dragon Prince. All right. So we'll do my final one for this episode of our, uh, us prostrating ourselves before you. And showing our flaws it was the crossing over episode, actually, with John Edward, oh, yeah. famous ghost talker guy. And there was one part where... <laughs> John Edward, um, ghost talker. Yeah. <laughs> there was one part where there was a scene where a lady was on a pier during a shoot. It was like one of the camera crew or oh, like I remember this. film crew yeah. ladies. Yes. And she, there was like a manatee that came up to her and walked away while she was on the pier and John was like, oh, well, you might think it's just a manatee walking up there, but manatees aren't around that time of year because they're in, like, Miami or something. Yeah. And look, man, hey, the manatees are there fucking year-round. That's why there's, like, 24-7 fucking manatee tours going on in Florida all the time. <laughs> they're around. There's, like, sure, there's more of them during mating seasons, but they're still just kind of fucking hanging around all the time. There's plenty of them in Florida. If, if you're hanging out up here, it's reasonable that one might... Walk up to you for a minute and walk away. It's not your dead husband <laughs> trying to contact you. It's, it's just a manatee. It's he's kind of hungry and he's curious about Chris, what you look like. You keep saying that the manatee is walking up to you. Manatees swim. Because they don't walk up to you. They go on lanes, don't they? No. They, they <laughs> Wait, don't? This, I, no. They're like seals, right? No, manatees are not seals. I don't I don't think they go on. Oh, God. Now, now I got to fucking Google this. No, you talk about your thing, Swamplandia, okay. and then I'll Google. But manatee, manatee on land. I'm pretty sure manatees don't walk up to people in the book. The manatees swam up to her at the end of the pier. But anyway, um, yeah. So my, my okay. Last... Well, there's a, the first link on uh, Google is like an article, like amazed that a manatee was walking up to like some banana leaves. So you're right. I was wrong. They swim. Yeah, <laughs> they swim. They're not. They don't. They're. I thought um... they were like seals. I thought they were like seals. Yeah, I mean, they... I thought they were just another fat sea creature. I mean, yeah, but they're not, they're not quite as similar. Anyway, um, my episode, my final episode is episode 29, Swamplandia, which is a book we actually loved. Um, so, uh, my first question was, did the 10,000 islands exist in Florida? Yes. Um, I had that as a question because like, uh, we had our guest Laura on who's from Florida. She, and she was just trying to make a joke, but it sounded like she was 
being very serious about the 10,000 islands not existing. They definitely do. Like where the book takes place in the 10,000 islands in Florida, that's a real place. Um, second was, what's up with Kiwi learning how to fly planes at an amusement park? Was he really flying a plane or was he just learning on a simulator? And honestly, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very honestly, unclear. It was really hard to even like try to go back and figure it out. I was like, it seemed like he was learning on a simulator in the amusement park and then was able to actually translate that to a real plane. But I don't even know why there was a legit flight simulator at the amusement park. I'm pretty sure you still got to go up with a trainer in a real yeah. plane before they just let you start doing like flights. Well, that's the thing. When he, when he, when, uh, when he was doing that, when he rescued them, oh. he was, but, but I still don't understand like, why would an amusement park be training like a custodian, like a regular worker, how to fly a plane? Like that question was still never really answered for me. And I, I don't know. Um, oh, but I have I have one last funny thing. So, so like I said, YouTube folks are fucking mad at everything. They hate everything. They're so mad. I don't know what's up with YouTube, but man, the fucking assholes come out. Um uh, sorry, I just want to bring up the 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 comment on the Swamplandia video. Oh. So, um, so we actually really liked Swamplandia. I actually thought I thought it was a great book. Um, you I know, liked it too. I thought it was awesome. We we really loved it. Uh, it was such a surprise, such a wonderful, refreshing surprise. Thought Karen Russell's work was great. Um, we have a single down vote on the video, and there is a comment that says, "The book was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize, folks. Russell's stories are routinely published in the New Yorker. She's far from terrible." Yeah, thanks, Word Rubble. If you had fucking listened to five seconds it. of the episode or even just read the fucking summary, you would see that we loved the book. <laughs> like, literally, you don't even have to click. You know you know how um, if a YouTube, if a summary on a video is too long, you have to click show more to see all the text? You don't yep. even have to do it. Nope. The first line of the description is, this time on Terrible Book Club, we read a book that wasn't truly terrible. Wow, it happened. And also, like, so, even if you didn't listen to the whole episode, even if you just read the description, you would know that we said it was great and we loved it. So, like, fuck off, people who don't even <laughs> think for half a second before you write a comment on something. So, we've been wrong for the last two hours or so, but also, fuck you, because, <laughs> God damn it, you're wrong, too, this time. No, look, Word Rubble, you, you, you know, if you're running around trying to chastise people and telling them they're idiots on YouTube, like, maybe think about it for a second, you know? I actually haven't checked out his, uh, this guy's profile. Let's see. <laughs> oh, here we go. The last, oh. Some little he's quick got, doxing. He's got a force. It's not doxing. This is publicly available information. Yeah, I know. I'm he's joking. got four subscribers. Um, uh, he's got two videos that I sure what they are one of them was just holding a book up to a camera um, <laughs> this, this is the terrible book here uh yeah he one of his videos is a look at the book the gorgeous nothings photographs of emily dickinson's poetry that she scribbled onto envelopes and the seed thieves a collection of poetry by robert fanning so he basically just like shows you what these books look like you know just shows you images of the books okay cool so, I don't know. It's probably just somebody who's, like, really, really into books, which is fine. So are we. But um, I don't know. I just feel like that kind of... Don't be so hasty. Yeah. Listen. Yeah, dude. 
Um, but we have a policy of not directly responding to people who are hmm, people that we think are probably going to be uh, problematic. So we don't. That's respond. a good way to put it. Yeah. So like if somebody leaves a really angry or like negative comment or review, it's like it's not really worth our time to respond to that uh, because like. You know, we do this as a, a hobby. We don't make money on this. Um, well, Paris, we did just spend two hours talking about how wrong we are. So, I mean, in a way, we spent some time about that. Uh, sure, but we don't spend time on people who... I don't know. I understand what you mean. Yeah, I'm just bringing yeah. up the point that like, it's not like we're responding to a lot of those particular criticisms, but we're willing to talk about when we're wrong. Absolutely. Length. Like... You know, we're not, like I said, we're not fucking experts. This is just fun. So, anyway. All right. That's about it. Because uh, episode 30 was the last time we did the game show thing. And we, uh, you read Chakra Crystals. And we yes. discussed how weird that whole situation was. Because it was like a lady with a doctorate was writing about Chakra Crystals. Anyway. Yeah. Not the, nothing much there to actually no. clarify. Because we did a good amount of research. Uh, so, we're going to do part two. And maybe we'll release it a Maybe we'll do a special release and release it um, kind of off schedule, like do an extra release. We'll see how much time we have. Um, I have a busy weekend. Like I have a wedding to go to tomorrow. It's going to take up my whole day. And then I have to release that um, that EP for my band. So um, and I have to do laundry and then I have to work <laughs> the whole week. So you we know. better we better get all up on that then, Paris. Yeah. We, luckily, we don't have to do the show closing. So we can just say goodbye right here and just be off. Oh, or do we want to tell people about um, what July is going to be? Actually, yeah, that's how we'll wrap this up. Finally, after two hours, the big present (laughs) you get for listening all the way through is that July here at Terrible Book Club is Maradonia Month. Yep. Get ready. We are answering the call. Uh, We are returning to Maradonia exactly four years um, from the time that we first stepped foot in this realm uh so maya and joey chris and paris the two (laughs) separate hero teams so um so our patron dari her uh her book for this year for the new year so she she so our our patrons at a certain level get to choose one book a year um that we read for them uh because we're a small show and you know that's fine uh, and so Dari chose the Dragon Prince book uh, in 2017, 2018. I don't remember when that episode happened. But for 2019, she has chosen uh, the second Maradonia book. So we're going to read that for her. And then uh, after that, we're going to read the third one. Because um, one of our longtime listeners, Bobby, um, actually saved episode 11, the episode about the first Maradonia book for us. So it would have been one of the lost episodes were it not for him. So even though he's not a patron, uh, he saved an old, ep- an old episode for us and he has been a listener to the show for all, I don't know, I think since the beginning. Uh, so yeah, so thanks for your support. Uh, we're gonna, so we're gonna go ahead and read that for both of you and well, any of our Finally, other... you are getting, receiving your reward. <laughs> yeah, any of our other Maradonia fans out there. Um, so yeah, we're gonna do a marathon, Maradonia marathon uh i don't know maradonathon maradonathon uh july will be the month of maradonia um and for the patreon content it'll also be specially themed for maradonia uh so since we've already watched the full-length maradonia film and that's still available by the way at the five dollar a month level or higher you too can watch that movie with us and enjoy it um 
we think that we're going to probably just queue up a bunch of YouTube videos related to Maradonia. So probably like old episodes with uh, old episodes, old interviews with Gloria and her dad and like her music videos where she raps as Goldilocks or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll have we'll have a fun time making uh, making some jokes about some other media that this author has created. So. If you want I'm to join us, to it. If you want to join us for that, join the Patreon at the five dollar month level or higher. But uh, yeah, July, the month of Maradonia. All right, Paris, this has been our longest episode ever. I'll see you <laughs> Fuck, later. I'm sorry. Bye, everyone. Bye.